Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Eric Cool J with the Twins and come back. Because, you know, my Kumbadachi is Rudy Giuliani. He's been going round the clock, dependent on the situation. There's no slowing this guy down. 78 years old, he's taking a licking and just comes back ticking. And it's interesting because uh, Rudy didn't expect to lead the uh, news cycle today. But inadvertently, he did. He didn't ask for this. He didn't ask for this. He just returned to the place where the campaign for his son, Andrew, to become the Republican governor nominee. The vote is on Tuesday. Make sure you go to the polls and vote regardless of your party affiliation. you got to have people ready to vote because so few are voting in primaries regardless of the circumstances and the party. But anyway, I can remember many, many months ago, at the beginning of this uh, heated gubernatorial Republican GOP campaign in which uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin of Suffolk County was anointed by the state party leadership. Langworthy, the chairman, and all the county chairmen, they sort of circled the wagons and they assumed that their candidate, their candidate alone, would be anointed the standard bearer to take on Governor Crime wave, Kathy Hokum. Hokum because she is full of nonsense. That was the assumption. But little did the leadership realize that the actual voters, the people who were registered to vote as Republicans, were not going along with their scenario. So one by one, candidates emerged. The first was Andrew Giuliani. And I'll never forget when they were out in Staten Island because I was there from day one. They launched a statewide campaign. And in the waning hours uh, of this campaign, they're spending a lot of time on Staten Island, crisscrossing Staten Island, Nassau and Suffolk, because that's where ultimately this election will be won. And just as Andrew has young uh, vigor and he's uh, going into overdrive, man, let me tell you something. Rudy's been campaigning 24-7-365, crisscrossing the state himself. And finishing up in Staten Island earlier today, he was at a ShopRite. He went to the same ShopRite that all Republicans go to because it's a predominant number of registered Republicans. I was there. Rudy was there for me when I was running for mayor on the Republican line. 
I've been out there for other Republican candidates uh, who are running for office on Staten Island. And we were all there for Andrew when he was collecting uh, signatures in order to qualify to run many, many months ago. It seems like a lifetime ago. So Rudy wanted to return and thank all of those who signed the petitions and remind everybody that, hey, Tuesday is Election Day. You can't all of a sudden say, hey, I forgot about it. Oh, gee, if I'd only known. Uh, Rudy is a pro. He knows. You, you circle back. You circle back. And you go full circle. And that's where he was at a shop right. Uh, right on the south shore of Staten Island, big red area. Place that I overwhelmingly won from Eric Adams. And then all of a sudden, he's going inside. He's got to use uh, the men's room. And they're nice enough there at uh, ShopRite. It doesn't matter who you are. They'll let you use the men or the ladies' room. A lot of places, they don't allow you to do that. And Rudy Giuliani got jumped. Got sucker punched. And yet, he got hit. He turned around. He gritted it. He bared with it. And as we speak right now, he's uh, leaving a Little League game out there in Staten Island. That's right. He, he took that blow. It didn't knock him down to the ground. And he just kept moving. Just kept moving. Well, I'm going to let him explain the details because... Uh, we were able to get the first exclusive interview right after he got Colcock sucker punched by this menace to society that they hope that the uh, district attorney happens to be a Democrat out in Staten Island, McMahon. Hopefully he's going to make sure he keeps him in jail, remands him to jail, and that's right. <laughs> Give him a bail that he would have to get a payday loan or a reverse mortgage in order to qualify. Wow, my phone is blowing up. We have on the line former mayor of New York City, our greatest mayor ever, Rudy Giuliani, our colleague here at WABC. Uh, Rudy, what happened to you? Well, you know this place really well. It's the uh, ShopRite uh in uh, South uh, Staten Island, you know, we all come here to campaign. I've been here maybe a hundred times with Molinari, Fasello, with you, me. Nice place. I come here. First thing I have to do is I, got, I have to use the men's room. So I get out. I walk to the men's room. I come out of the men's room. A group of people are around me, hugging me, kissing me, telling me Andrew's great. And all of a sudden... I feel a shot on my back, like somebody shot me. I, I went forward, but luckily I didn't fall down. Lucky I'm a 78-year-old in pretty good shape, because if I wasn't, I'd have hit the ground and probably cracked my skull. And then I look around, and the guy says words I can't repeat. You effing whatever. And then he goes on and on and on, yelling and screaming. He moves away, yelling and screaming. Uh, things like, you're going to kill babies, your people are going to kill babies, uh, not babies, you're going to kill women, you're going to kill women. Uh, he looked either drunk or high. He works for ShopRite. And I thought to myself, I might have ordinarily ignored it. I said to myself, I'm going to have this guy arrested because this is going on too damn much. I mean, suppose I was a weaker 78-year-old and I hit the ground, cracked my skull, and died. 
He wouldn't have known the difference. And these Democrats get away with everything. I mean, they're in front of justices' homes. They threaten to kill a justice and nothing happens. I mean, so I call the, I call the, I call the, the one, two, three precinct. You know that place. Sure. And I told the people there, I want this guy held and I want him arrested. They said, we have to look at the tape. Like you didn't trust me. They looked at the tape and they said, my God, he really hit you very hard. I have five witnesses, including one, a city worker and the other, a retired detective. The city worker said that I was hit so hard, it almost knocked her over. So we got the guy arrested as an example of the broken windows theory. If I preach it, I might as well practice it. This is how it starts. You let these people get away with acting like goons. And then the next thing they do is they start punching people. Then they start shooting people. Then they start stealing. And that's why our city is the way it is. Now let's see if they prosecute them. Let's find out. So this is an example of why we need Andrew Giuliani in Albany. We need a pro-law enforcement governor desperately. Uh, Hochul is pro-making money on the Buffalo Stadium for her husband. She just is in a long line of sleazy governors who have to resign in scandals. The other three Republicans, two are good guys, but they're not really tough. And the third guy, Zeldin, I mean, he shouldn't be dog catcher. The guy lies like crazy. He's on every side of every issue. He acted like a baby in the last debate. And then he ran into the arms of Mike Pence. Why we want this rhino on our ticket, I can't figure out. But the other two I have respect for, I just think Andrew's a lot tougher than they are. Now, question, uh, Rudy, uh, because obviously you've been assaulted. I know you're going to be barnstorming the uh, state tomorrow, and I know nothing will stop you. We're scheduled to have the final rally, ladies and gentlemen. Rudy's coming back out with Andrew, me, and a whole bunch of other supporters where this campaign began many months ago on Staten Island to the Bricktown Center at 2750 Veterans Road tomorrow night, 730. You come out and meet and greet uh, Rudy and Andrew and myself as we try to get the vote out for Tuesday. Obviously, uh, tomorrow will be the last rally, but question this this guy who hit you, was he a skinny guy, a tall guy? No, no. He was a medium size. He's smaller than me, mm-hmm. but probably 40 years younger. Uh, he, he was about 5'10". Not a particularly big guy. Oh, you, you're wondering if my old Brooklyn came back and did I think I should have whacked him in the, in the – I figured if I hit him one shot, he would have gone down in a minute. Yeah, and he's an, he, he's an employee of that supermarket? Yeah, and, and he's lucky that I'm a public official, former public official with discipline. Because, you know, even at my age, I think I could have taken him out back and taught him a lesson. But, I mean, I want people to understand this. This is the greatest crime fighter we've ever had in this city who took us from the murder capital to the safest big city and the police, because they're so afraid, they're so afraid to be proactive, they actually said to you, we have to look at the tape first. No, no, it wasn't the cops. Ah. Police were great. I got to tell you, this is Staten Island. The cops out here, they're on their own. Uh, the cops were great. 
the some some guy either in the DA's office or the precinct was trying to lower the charges, and the cops cops said, "No, no, there's a 78 year old guy. This is assault two. No, no, no assault three. This guy's going in." I got to say, the cops and the captain were terrific. It was this uh, the safe the safe right guys who said we have to look at the tape. Oh, okay. So look at Go look at the tape. And they came back, and they were shocked. The owners called me and apologized. Good. And, and I said, Don't, you know, you shouldn't apologize. It's a big operation. I had people working for me that were as crazy as this guy. Well, I apologize uh, to the police of the 123 precinct. No, no. I mean, it's a, little di- it's a little different out here. Yes. It really is. You know, they got a little more support here. And even the DA here is a lot better. So I think we have a chance of getting this guy prosecuted. Yeah. This, this, is a, this is a great example of the broken windows theory. You, you don't let a guy get away with this because then they try something worse next. Well, there's a lot of volatility out there. And I know, Rudy, you're going to be out there campaigning around the clock for Andrew, as I will be, and so many others until the finish line. Uh, let's just make sure we beef up your security as you tour the state. <laughs> You know, I think maybe one of the people said, I think this guy is the only guy in Staten Island not voting for the Giuliani's. <laughs> You're right. That's Giuliani land. You started the campaign there, Rudy, with your son, and you're going to finish the campaign tomorrow. And, and, and you know why? If they turn out, we win. They only turned out 14% of the last gubernatorial candidacy. If they turn out at 20, if they turn out the way they did for you, we win. He's absolutely right, Rudy. He's studied the analytics. I won Staten Island overwhelmingly, like 78%. And so if the voters of Staten Island, the Republicans, turn out at the rate that they did in my primary where I crushed Fernando Mateo that enabled me to go on and take on Eric Adams, then obviously... Uh, Andrew Giuliani stands a very good chance of superseding the three other candidates. Congressman Lee Zeldin from uh, Suffolk County, uh, Bob Astorino, Rob Astorino from Westchester, and then Harry Wilson uh, from upstate. It's been a spirited campaign. We'll talk about it uh, later. But again, to everybody out there, you want to come out and meet and greet Rudy Giuliani, who weathered that attack? And by the way, right after that attack, he went out and continued to campaign. He was hitting a number of Little League games out there in Staten Island. You know, in Staten Island, they actually play Little League baseball on the diamonds. They don't turn it into soccer pitches like they have in the rest of the five boroughs of the city of New York. But the guy's a brick. He goes out there. He hits all the Little League games. He's on his way back. I sent Guardian Angels. I sent uh, two of my best, uh, Arnold 13 and Lethal Weapon, to assist Uh, and make sure that there are no further attacks, because we're in a very volatile time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Because of the Supreme Court decisions and the volatility in the streets, people are being approached who are Republicans or thought uh, to be uh, supportive of the decisions that were made on guns and also on abortion. And there are attacks taking place. We see it every day. Uh, There are demonstrations out in the streets, But when you happen to be someone so affiliated with uh, Donald Trump as Michael Buttigieg, Rudy Giuliani is, and so associated with some of these issues, uh, he's subject to attack. And imagine, 
This attack took place in Staten Island. That's Giuliani land. And some of the other boroughs, they could easily, easily try to do harm to him and others. So the civility must come back into our discussion. This is absolutely outrageous. I mean, think of this. This guy worked for ShopRite. It's not like a guy who just walked in off the street. He saw Rudy and he wanted to sucker punch him or he hated Rudy for something. This is a guy who worked there. This is a guy who's going to lose his job. He's going to lose his income. I don't know if he's a pensioned employee. He's going to lose all that. For what? Because he's getting all swept up in these protests. Hey, people have a right to protest. You want to protest? Knock yourself out morning, noon, and night. But just don't go attacking people, like in this case, attacking the great Rudy Giuliani. He doesn't walk around with the kind of security he had when he was mayor. He doesn't need it. Oh, my God. Can't even go to a bathroom without some guy coming behind him, an employee, and cold cocking him. That's nuts. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And we have to make sure that individuals who are aligned with the various sides on these uh, two very charged issues of the repeal of Roe v. Wade, abortion, and obviously uh, allowing people to qualify for uh, carry permits, that regardless of what side you are on the issue, that you're not going to be attacked, that you're going to have free speech that you, there's going to be civility, that you're going to be respected. I mean, I understand people don't like Rudy. Same people don't like me. They'll flip you the bird, right? They'll curse at you. Just don't enter my circumference because if you enter my circumference, guess what? I go old school, wild style. I'll knock you out. And let's face it, nothing's going to happen now. Nobody gets arrested. Nobody. DAs, oh, oh, Curtis Lever, yeah, you, uh, we don't lock anybody up anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like it's a school with no walls, classroom with no walls, prisons with no bars. That's going to be the next thing. Whatever few prisons remain after AOC, all our crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors, the Jumani Williams of the world, pretty soon, they're going to have a program that says, okay, we took out as many prisons as we can. For the few remaining jails or prisons, we're going to call it prisons without bars. I remember, look, I went to school. They were experimenting. Very progressives were experimenting in the 60s. They called it schools without classrooms or classrooms without walls. It was something like that. Maybe some of you out there know exactly what I'm talking about. I wasn't in a class enough time to experience any of that because the moment I had a chance to break out, I didn't care if it was walls. I didn't care if it was a roof. I didn't care if it was the front door, the rear door, the side doors, uh, the basement. I was out of there. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The good thing, Rudy Giuliani survived that attack. He continued to campaign. He'll be campaigning all day tomorrow. Naturally, you're going to want to hear from him directly on his normally scheduled time slot, Monday through Fridays, 3 to 4. You'll want to keep it right here at 770 AM WABC. And by the way, we don't just talk about the news, give commentary about the news. In many instances, when you look at our lineup, we are the newsmakers. 
The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. doubt about it. Rudy Giuliani cut from the same cloth as I was in Brooklyn, and that is, there's no New Testament, you know, turn your cheek. Uh, 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 eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You hit me, I'll hit you so hard your mother will feel the vibrations. And when all else fails, you know, we play baseball, right? Hardball, play softball. We always have bats with us in the trunk of the car. That's the tradition. Staten Island, Queens, Brooklyn, Bronx, not Manhattan. Not really Manhattan. But you got the bats in the back of the trunk of the car, aluminum. You got some wooden Louisville sluggers, the old Rocky Calavito models. And when all else fails, you get the bats. You kneecap the guys. They'll be limping around for a month of Sundays, and everybody will know they did you wrong. And you got your revenge. And speaking uh, of Little League and youth baseball, that's exactly what Rudy Giuliani ended up doing after he got sucker punched and cold cocked in that ShopRite supermarket at about 3.30 this afternoon while continuing his campaign to get his son Andrew elected the next governor of the uh, state of New York. The GOP and the Democratic uh, gubernatorial primary is this Tuesday. And we will have a final rally tomorrow, Monday. Rain, snow, sleet, or shine in Staten Island. Come on out. You'll have Rudy, Andrew, and obviously I'll be there at the Bricktown Center at 2750 Veterans Road. You think the Mama Luke, the Mongoluch will show up, the Staten Island kid, uh, Frank Morano? You think, you think, uh, oh, come up with some kind of weird excuse. You know, like he was chasing fromage or shooting dice at the Borgata in Atlantic City and couldn't get back in time. But there was a story that occurred about 10 days ago, and I was probably the only one all over it. Because it had to do with Little League Baseball, it had to do with the U.S. Amateur Baseball League, and it had to do with teams that crisscross and compete against one another. It's not just a local league. So you had a Staten Island-based team called the New York Prospects, the travel team. We never had that travel team. What was the travel team, right? You got on the freaking subway and you went to the parade grounds and you found a, you, if you could find a field back then, all the fields were taken up. You know, people playing baseball, not kickball, kickball, goal. That fake, phony, fraudulent, fagazi football. They spell with a U, soccer. No, but you used to go to the old, old parade grounds in Prospect Park. And I'm telling you, man, they didn't have base paths. They had big ruts, they had divots, they had rocks, they had broken glass. But you welcomed an opportunity to play on any baseball field. It was like a field of dreams for you. But we never had a travel team. 
Travel was you jumped on the subway and you went to a baseball diamond and you challenged a team. Now, if it was just impromptu, you put it together, fine. But most times it was through an organized league. Nowadays, they're very fancy. You know, they go down to Florida. They have spring training. They play in the fall. We were restricted. That was it. Spring, summer, that's it. No more baseball. You play football if you could. And if you couldn't, you ran cross country. (laughs) Nobody. Because you look at the cross country guy. Really? Please, don't come near me. Uh, that's like being with the AV squad, you know, the guys who are dropping acid, you know, the yearbook club. Ha! You know, really? God, you know, remember in high school, you had the you had the heads, right, the stoners. You had the brainiacs, and you had the jocks. You want to hang with the jocks, right? Unless you wanted to get stoned. But the brainiacs, they were like the geeks. And if you went to Catholic school, an all-boys school like I did, Brooklyn Prep, they're constantly trying to recruit you to go away to the seminary. Hey, they did that to Rudy. He was like halfway there from Lachlan High School. And his very good friend, Peter Powers, yeah, they were going to get conscripted. Me, they said to me, did you ever think? Yeah, I thought of it for all of five seconds. Get out of my face. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I digress. So the Staten Island-based team went out to Branchburg Township. Now, I don't even know if they qualify to be in Branchburg, Tony Branchburg, you know, in Somerset County. I think where the average income is like uh, $492,000. But anyway, so the Staten Island team is playing the Branchburg Township team. And all of a sudden, the coach who comes over with the Staten Island kids, it figures. He's... uh, Probably the same kind of guy I grew up with, you know, with the bats in the trunk of the car. His name is Otero. And Otero has an anger management problem. So he's the third base coach. There's an old Altacaca who is the umpire. He's 72 years old, a little bit younger than Rudy. And Otero, he starts screaming, invectives, F you to the umpire. And so the umpire says, you're out of here. You know, why, did you, why should he have to pin up? Put up with that grief. Well, you know what this guy does? This Otero with the anger management problem from Staten Island, he goes over to this 72-year-old umpire, hits him twice, breaks his jaw twice, and stares over him, you know, like Muhammad Ali staring over one of his victims. I don't know what the Staten Island parents did, but I heard from a birdie that many of them said, you deserved it, you deserved it. Hey, I'm not going to pass judgment. But there was no arrest. There was no arrest. The 72-year-old Altacaca umpire was afraid. He wanted to remain anonymous. Even now that an arrest finally has been made of Jerry Otero. Took him a month to Sundays. But I think Jerry turned himself in because he recognized that this 72-year Altacaca with the double-broken jaw had probably reached out to the De Calvacantes there in New Jersey. You know, here in the five boroughs, you have the Bananos, you have the Lucchese's, Columbo's, you have the Gambinos, the Genovese. In Jersey, you also have the De Calvacantes, a.k.a. Uh, what we witnessed on television for years, HBO, The Sopranos. So I'll bet you that this Jerry Otero had the scare of his life because he recognized who this old Altacaca empire umpire was dealing with. And then all of a sudden he had a nightmare. Jesus Christ. I gotta sit down. 
I feel like I can't stand. Is that okay, Tony? That I sit? So you see, when uh, Jerry Otero had that nightmare, I think he recognized, let me turn myself into the police. Because the old timer was too quiet. I found out through the grapevines, the reason he wanted to remain anonymous is he wanted revenge. Good. I say, you're a 72-year-old guy. You're an umpire. Let's face it, you're not doing it for the money. You you love the game. Uh, You want to do it for the kids. It's bad enough the kids have a bad influence from their parents. They watch something like that. Like today on television, they would have been watching the Seattle Mariners and the California Angels in the second inning. They had a whole brawl. Then after the brawl, they're acting like they're crazed maniacs. They're going into the dugout. They're throwing all kinds of stuff out to the field. They're not crazy, man. So naturally, the kids, they see the replay on ESPN because they play it over and over. And the kids want to emulate that and they want to imitate that. I know this umpire. He wasn't going to report anything. He was going to take care of it. And I think that's what uh, caused Jerry Otero to realize he was messing with the wrong family. Jerry, I realize you've been remanded to jail, no bail, Somerset County. You're you're in much better shape by being in the criminal justice system. Trust me, you are messing with the wrong guy. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Radio 77, WABC. Sly and the Family Stone. So good. So good. I couldn't believe that uh, Bo Snurdly, a.k.a. James Golden, one day said, Oh, oh, Earth, Wind, and Fire is better than Sly and the Family Stone. What the hell are you talking about, James? And let's face it, this song is so pertinent to the Giuliani's father and son. As there's another 24 hours to go. To, to uh, Monday night, that's the last rally, and you're all welcome to be there at the Bricktown Center, 2750 Veterans Road at 730. I'll be there. Rudy will be there. Andrew will be there. Uh, and hopefully the Mamaluke, the Mangalooch, Frank Morano, will put down his uh, Parmesan cheese. He loves to fromage and will actually drive a few blocks to be there. But you know him. He's a calamity Frank. He'll come with every conceivable excuse. He'll probably have gone over the Outer Bridge Crossing, get lost on the Jersey Turnpike, and claim that he couldn't get there, so he'll have to go right to WABC. But this is all about this very heated GOP primary involving four candidates, and it's neck and neck. Uh... I've been following this since the beginning because I supported Andrew Giuliani uh, almost from the day he announced. Obviously, his father was first. I think I was second. 
and uh, made the announcement and Staten Island. That's where the campaign began. So I've been following meticulously the polls and they're up and down and all around. One poll will have Zeldin ahead. The next one will have Giuliani ahead. Zeldin ahead. Giuliani ahead. Is is not stable. It's not a stable poll. So it's it's a jump ball. I think everybody right now looks at it and they say there are really two tiers here. There's uh, Zeldin and Giuliani top tier in terms of the polls, and then the bottom tier is uh, Harry Wilson and Rob Astorino. But then again, in a jump ball. With four candidates, anybody can win because nobody's out of it in the polls. Nobody is completely out of it. And so they had one debate, which was at CBS with Marsha Kramer. And naturally, what did they do? They exiled uh, Andrew Giuliani because he wasn't vaccinated. They would not allow him in the studios of CBS. So he was in the Hollywood Squares box with Paul Lynn. Remember Hollywood Squares? I could have swore Paul Lynn was gay. He would have been the grand marshal of the uh, annual gay pride parade. Guarantee you. Uh, you know, nobody ever, you, know, you couldn't say it back then. You, you look at him in the Hollywood Squares, Paul Lynn. was gay. I remember him beach uh, blanket bingo with Annette Funicello. Oh, God. Guys, melted. Frankie Avalon, right? Part of the three horsemen from Philadelphia. There was... Uh, it was Bobby Rydell, right? One other guy. See, I'm missing. I can't connect the dot. I, I, I have a mild concussion. You see that? <laughs> We're crawling to the finish. I got a mild concussion. Oh, Fabian. But you know who was in that movie? Beach Blanket Bingo, Paul Lynn. And he was gay in that film. Like, absolutely gay in Hollywood Squares. Would have been gay if he were the Grand Marshal today. But back then, you weren't permitted to say that. You know, because obviously, he didn't come out of the closet. So there's Andrew Giuliani, and he, he, he stayed above the fray in the first debate. Meantime, Marsha Kramer was, like, trying to get at him, and Andrew said, come on, you already stacked the deck against me, and you won't even let me finish. They hate Giuliani. It's the name Giuliani. They hate Rudy, and as a result, they hate Andrew. So the next debate was at the studios of Spectrum, New York One. Remember, that's where I worked for 13 years. Every week I was on with Herson Barrero. Uh, and I would have all the props, and, and I would do a lot of satire. Uh, I'd have a really good time, a lot of comedic political commentary. But then all these snowflakes came along, like like uh, all of Frank Morano's crew, the hipsters and millennials. They're snowflakes. Oh, and so they say you got to go. These people they're having uh, they're having postpartum depression. They're having a breakdown because you offended them. Really. Uh, but I, I spent enough time there to know all the. Uh, Shot callers. So they invite Andrew, they invite all three candidates, Astorino, Wilson, and obviously Zeldin. And again, they wouldn't let Andrew into the arena. And you say, why? Well, what is this nonsense? Knowing that previously, Pat Kiernan, who is the morning host, who used to do afternoon drive here with Rita Cosby. Yeah, Pat Kiernan, great guy. I've known him for years. He had Andrew Giuliani in seven weeks before that in studio. They say, are you vaccinated? Andrew always tells him, no, I'm proud to not be vaccinated. Uh, can you fill out the paperwork and say you're not vaccinated? Absolutely. Great interview. I uh, had him there for about 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden, what is it? The atmosphere is different in seven weeks. The air is there. No, we told you. You must be in the Hollywood Squares box with Paul Lind. And again, Andrew stayed above the fray. And the three of them. 
Zeldin, Astorino, and Harry Wilson were like three scorpions in a brandy glass. I mean, they were going at it. So finally, Andrew Giuliani gets an opportunity. Uh, Newsmax has a debate. Oh, magnificent. The Kodak Center up in Rochester. Rot, R-O-T, Chester. Because it really has rotted down to the core. Used to be a magnificent city, Rochester. Uh, It was a white-collar town. You had the Rochester Institute of Technology. They would produce the men and women who would then immediately go to work for Kodak or Xerox or Paychecks, any number of those Fortune 500 companies. No more. But the point being is Newsmax, I mean, they went the whole nine yards. So Andrew was invited on the stage. He's on the stage, and they're, they're having a good discussion, and everybody has their supporters in. There's more than enough room. It's equally divided. I was up there. Rudy was up there. It's it's really good. And then all of a sudden, at the end, Eric Bowling asked a simple question, a simple question. If you don't win the Republican primary, will you endorse the winner? And again, we'll start with you, Mr. Wilson. So, right, simple. Uh, You know, it's like you just say, of course, even if you hate, you loathe, you despise those that you're running against, the discipline that you know you have to you have to say yes you absolutely uh, I will go to the mat I will go door to door for this guy that I loathe I hate I disgust I'm disgusted by but you you, you do the right thing Harry Wilson had a chance to answer that question I've publicly said yes many times very simple right yes then Andrew Giuliani had his turn to answer Eric Bowling's question. Mr. Giuliani, I believe we're in position to win this thing on June 28th. But if not, and the people choose someone else, I will always back what the people say. Great. Even better. But short, truncated. Now, uh, Rob Astorino, he went a little further, but still he truncated it. Mr. Astorino. I certainly will. Lee tried to knock all three of us off the ballot, so we had no challenge. But we're here. And whoever wins, and I believe it will be me, but whoever wins, we will speak with one voice and defeat Kathy Hochul and the radicals in New York. That's true. And I've said it publicly that whoever wins this primary amongst the four Republicans, we will rally around that winner because we got to stop crime wave Kathy Hochul. We really do. Then you would figure Congressman Zeldin, he's the last one, right? He looks, hey, wow, you know, Wilson, short, sweet to the point. Andrew, okay, Astorino, he got a little jab in there, but short, sweet to the point. Oh, my God, oh, my, Sarah Bernhardt here. He had to give you his Wikipedia. He could not answer the question. Lee Zeldin, when he walked in, he had this audience. The audience was his. By the time he answered this question, took like a few hours. Even his supporters were booing him. Congressman, the, the, the ease that they just keep lying is just incredible. Uh, the reinvention of, of history as to what happened. <laughs> you uh, you didn't try to knock us off the ballot. insane. It's, it's here. You, you didn't try to knock I'm us off I'm also endorsed by the yes conservative no? party. Answer the question, Lee. Answer the Again, question. No, I'm saying it's false. And uh, I'm, I'm endorsed by the conservative party. I am uh, also not going to lose this primary next Tuesday because... Everybody is focused on winning is the only option. Losing is not an option, but it is important for all of us 
to be one voice this time next week. It is a is a hard fought primary. There are passions inside of this room and outside will, of the state. Will you will you support? Oh, the I'm winner going to be supporting the primary winner next Tuesday. So the answer is even, no. Even if it's not you. you, you just learned a lot about him. The answer is no. I, listen, it, I don't think about losing. It's, I refuse to It's lose. a simple yes/no question, Lee. Simple oh, yes/no. Simple yes, no. supporting the winner of the primary next Tuesday. Ago, that he would just you, like you could not say yes to that. The fact that you have all President Trump passed a racist. All right, you can't all the things of New York. Gentlemen, gentlemen, only reason guys here is listen. I don't make five points. He could not say yes to that. Guys, I'm a viewer right now. Listen, it's not easy to be in second, third, and fourth place. I get it, Congressman. You heard him say. I heard him say he would support the winner of the I primary. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, I, I, that. Would, I would, I I would heard, say, I would I take that, that as a viewer as okay, whoever wins. Okay, good. let's leave it right there. Come on, oh my. It's like pulling teeth. He, he had a total meltdown on the stage. I, I, I really. He became unhinged. His eyeballs were popping out of his skull. He was schwitzing. Eric Bowling was trying to throw him a lifeline. Yeah, you, you're going to endorse him, right? Oh, well, wait a second. Let me tell you all the people who are endorsing me. You're going to endorse the winner, right? He wouldn't answer the question. So on our way out, I'm walking with some of the Zeldin people. I've known them, and we we, we, we agree to disagree during the primary, but we're all going to come together for the Republican nominee. And they're going... They're sort of, you know, their head has come back. I said, don't I, I, I understand. It's okay. It's okay. We'll all come together. But, hey, man, you know, there is a, a psychiatric facility right outside of town on the way to Buffalo. You may want to check Lee in. He just completely had a breakdown. And the next day, all the responses were, wow, this guy has thin skin. Now. Before you cast your vote, because there's been early voting, but nobody's voting. We give people, and we go, we might as well six months of voting, right? Oh, we'll pick you up, we'll send Uber and Lyft for you, we'll bring you to the polling location, we'll buy you lunch, uh, we'll give you a champagne breakfast. You know, still nobody votes early voting. It's such a waste of time and money. You walk in to the early polling locations like I have. Hello? Is anybody here? You know, there's 90-year-old people, you know, they're getting paid, they're part of patronage. They're like, it's nobody. It's like the Grand Canyon. Nobody votes early. And almost nobody votes in primaries. It's really sad that people are not exercising their vote. But put that aside. Everybody has their opportunity, and all the candidates have been crisscrossing uh, the state of New York. Uh, All of them have fought hard, whether you agree with them or you disagree. Uh, Harry Wilson, he's been in there swinging and winging. So has Rob Astorino. So has Congressman Lee Zeldin. And obviously, I know most about Andrew Giuliani because I've been side by side with him. Uh, But your decision gets made Tuesday. And trust me, they'll, they'll probably have the results before midnight unless it's too close to call. And then it's uh, nail biting time. The one thing I can tell you, a little inside baseball. I looked around the audience, and I'm looking for the state GOP chairman, the big macher, the guy who's in charge of the party, Langworthy, who anointed Zeldin as the chosen one, the candidate, and he had promised all the state party chairmen who came on board, I will convince any of his challengers 
not to run. It'll be one person, one person alone. We don't need a bruising primary. Well, obviously, he didn't do a very good job with Andrew, nor with our Rob Astorino, or with Harry Wilson. So let the best man win. Let him uh, get the last few words out and let them draw their last breath. But then again, if you'd like to hear what Andrew has to say, because it's 30% according to the polls. 30% doesn't matter what poll, whether they have Giuliani ahead or they have Zeldin ahead. 30% of the voters, the Republican registered voters, who said that they will probably vote in this primary have yet to make up their mind. That's an incredible high number. So if you haven't made up your mind and you want to hear what Andrew Giuliani has to say, I'll show up at Bricktown Center at 750 Veterans Road, 730 tomorrow night, rain, snow, sleet, or shine, Monday night. It'll be the last event, and then, obviously, there's the election uh, the next day on Tuesday. And again, vote. And that includes those of you who are Democrats. Yeah, there's uh, crime wave Kathy Holcomb, according to the polls. She's way ahead. Tom Swazi, the congressman from the North Shore of uh, Long Island, he tried to... Uh, reinvent himself as a moderate. It hasn't worked. And then there's Jumani Williams, the public advocate. Anybody who's a public advocate, they're, they're, they're always using the money in a no-show job to run for higher office. And he's the absolute worst. He, he hates the police. He hates prisons. And by the way, he lives in the most secure facility of anywhere in the five boroughs in the garrison in Fort Hamilton. That's right, the Army base. This is a guy who hates the military. Jumani Williams, I hate cops. I hate prisons. I hate the military. But I live right there in Fort Hamilton, the Army base. And I don't want anyone showing papers, but I got to show the military police papers every time I drive in. Cops are are basically with me 24-7. I hate cops for you, but I love cops to protect my tochus. And thank you, sucker taxpayers. You know, I don't want uh, emissions to go out there, you know, from uh, gas-guzzling SUVs. But thank you for paying for an SUV so that I can roll around and campaign at taxpayers' expense. Who has it better than this guy? He attacks the system. He eats his own babies, right, at taxpayers' expense. And he gets to run for higher office and attack cops, attack correctional officers, attack the military. And he lives right there. In the garrison of Fort Hamilton and Diker Heights in the shadow of the Verrazano Bridge. Does this guy have huepos, culeones, hubris, or what? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Michael in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Michael. Hello, Curtis. I think a winning combination is using baseball as a metaphor. Tell the Republicans you've got to step up to the plate. And uh, put uh, Andrew number first. And by the way, Jason Marquis was a Major League Baseball player. He played in Staten Island, and he was in the World Baseball Classic for the state of Israel. See if you could track him down and get him involved. No, no, no. Excuse me, Michael. Rudy Giuliani. Wait wait a second. Hold on a second. Hold on. Rudy Giuliani. Hold on a second. Rudy Giuliani just got japped, just got sucker punched. God, if he had fallen the wrong way, there could have been really serious complications in the South Shore at that stop and shop. And I got to go chasing Jason Marquis. I, I know him as a baseball player who plays in Israel. So between now and Monday night, we should go to... Uh, Ben-Gurion Airport, we should take an El Al flight and find this guy and bring him back. And what? 
give Andrew Giuliani a bris, a blessing? I think he, he, I think he lives in Staten Island. He just went there to play for Israel, that's all. And so, wait, 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 so wait a second, Mike. What is this? The uh, What can we call it for purposes of discussion? The October surprise that Jason Marquis is going to endorse Andrew Giuliani and no, just, he's on the road to victory. Just tell the Republicans that they have to step up to the plate, swing for the fences, and, and eke out a victory for the best candidate to wipe the floor with the Democrats. If only it was that simple. You know, like Field of Dreams. You know, like The Natural with Robert Redford. Wasn't that a great movie? Oh, God, that was such a... That was up in Buffalo. Hey, the election might be decided in uh, Erie County in Buffalo or Nassau County or Suffolk County or Staten Island. Uh, They generally have good turnout of their registered Republican voters. But remember that great movie with Robert Redford? And you know that was the old War Memorial Stadium. I actually got to see a minor league baseball game in that old War Memorial Stadium when I was organizing uh, the Guardian Angels in Buffalo. Oh, that was classic old school. It was magnificent. I don't know if people realize that Jack Kemp, that's right, Jack Kemp actually played a few games there. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jack Kemp, who was the congressman there, who believed in the gold standard, who was the secretary of HUD in the Reagan administration and had a wonderful idea that NYCHA residents, people who lived in public housing across America, should be able to buy their own apartments, understanding that a lot of them, uh, they had to pay rent. Some of them paid no rent, but they would contribute a little bit. Ownership would make the difference. You know who turned on Jack Kemp with that idea? Republicans. Some Democrats, but Republicans, they did not accept that idea. He was great. I remember him. Oh, man, San Diego Chargers, man, quarterback, Jack Kemp, Buffalo Bill. It was magnificent, right? And then they smeared him. You know how they smeared him? Say, Jack Kemp, you know, he's he's gay. He's gay. They smeared him. Absolutely no proof back then. Remember, there was nobody coming out of the closet. So whether he was or he wasn't, I have no idea. But they knew that they could spread that innuendo when he was running for the presidency. And uh, he would have made a very good president if, in fact, he was able to supersede a lot of those uh, impediments that were put before him, especially the rumor that was very prevalent. Oh, yeah, Jack Kemp. That's why he used to like to put his hands under the center's tuchus. He was gay. Not that I knew. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we can, to, um, hmm, Sean, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sean. Yes, sir. I want to make two points. So, Giuliani got hit today? Yes, at 3.30 this afternoon out on Staten Island at the supermarket in the South Shore. That is pretty, pretty pathetic. How dare you hit the mayor? I mean, regardless, you disagree with him. Obviously, but you have no right to put your hands on somebody, especially, uh, you know, uh, Giuliani's caliber. Regardless, if you disagree, obviously, this guy is a, a piece of garbage. Now, uh, where were you from originally, Sean? I, I grew up in Brooklyn. And okay. I played baseball in the Little League. Okay. You grew up in Brooklyn, Marine Park. I used to play over no. in Marine Park. I was in Canarsie. I grew I, up in Blackbush, but I used to play in Marine Park. 
Yeah, I, I played against Lee Mazzilli, who was a great, great athlete, New York Met, but for Lincoln High School. <clears throat> we played an ex- we played an exhibition against him in Marine Park. I was the leadoff hitter for Brooklyn Prep. He struck me out as a righty, and then he's ambidextrous, and he struck me out three innings later as a lefty. Right. He was great, Lee Mazzilli. God bless him. And I saw the point that they said that, you know, we only get to play baseball. You said it, you know, for a few months from, you know, uh, uh, May, June, July, and that's it. It's over. But now, Sean, I want to take you back to Marine Park. You had plenty of supermarkets around there. Imagine if you were inside the supermarket and you saw a guy come behind a 78-year-old guy trying to work his way to the bathroom and yoke him and sucker punch him, back then, you know what we guys would have done. We would have ganged up on him and given him the beat down of his life. Got away with it. Never got away with it, Brooklyn. Never in a billion years. Correct. And I want to make another point about Democrats. And it makes me sad because I listen to cats on the TVs. I love them. I love them. But I hate when he says common sense Democrats. They don't have any common sense. He's talking about Democrats from 1950. But he says it a lot on his show. When I hear him say it, it makes me cringe. Democrats don't have any common sense. Well, well, Sean, the idea is is that there are, but you have to give them a sanctuary. So I understand why our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, is saying that. He's saying, you have sanctuary here at WABC. You can come out with a moderate, common-sense point of view, uh, like he has with the judge, like he has with my... Uh, what do we call Governor Patterson again since he is uh, the stepfather of my uh, son, Anthony, 18, just uh, graduated high school, does the podcast with me, father and son, Anthony and Curtis. Go to WABCRadio.com to see it. Yeah, Governor Patterson, he's the Democrat. The Judge Weinberg, he's the Democrat. Then they have the Republicans, and these are common sense Democrats. No, 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 Sean, they are there. But they're hiding from AOC, all of crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
You know, this should be the theme song by Kesha for Club Zero Bond, where the mayor loves to hang out to the wee hours of the morning with the TikTok girls trying to keep up with the Kardashian. Would be the perfect theme song. Mayor was out in gay pride today. I don't know why, especially since uh, the parade sponsors, New York Pride, would not again allow uniformed uh, NYPD uh, patrolmen, patrolwomen, gay and lesbians, transgenders to march in their uniform. They had the same policy last year, and I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, de Blasio did the right thing. I mean, you know me, I hate, I loathe, I despise the Blasio. He took a Miley Cyrus wrecking ball to this city that we love for eight years and destroyed it. And now he wants to go on to Congress and destroy our country over my dead body. But last year, when the same gay pride committee said, cops, you can't wear uniforms, de Blasio said, well, guess what? If they don't march, I don't march. Today, the mayor, halfway through the parade, he shows up. Hey! Unbelievable. By the way, in San Francisco, they had the same situation. The mayor there, she, London Breed, said the same thing. You don't let the cops of the uh, FPD, San Francisco Police Department, march in uniform. I'm not marching. So they compromised. And in Denver, which also excluded uniformed police officers in their gay pride parade uh, last year, they actually this year welcomed them because of the unprecedented, just incredible increase in violent crime in Denver, especially along the Strip and Colfax. I know because we have guardian angels there. This year they said, forget what we did last year. Come one, come all. Whoa, man. Oh, my God. I got a mild concussion, and we got something in this uh, studio that just hit me in the head, and I'm like really woozy now. Really woozy. It's an act of sabotage. There's no doubt about it. Well, Frank Morano involved in this? Oh, that's right. Oh, Matt, you're his board operator. Did you set up this attack on me? It hit me right in my jaw. Can you believe this? First Rudy, now me. I got the uh, mild concussion. Hey, they, they, too bad they didn't have the video on. They, they, they video everybody else. We would have had the documentary evidence as the whole stanchion came down and crashed into my head. This is what happened to Curtis Mayfield. Yeah, Curtis Mayfield from Chicago. You remember? Push your man, push your man. He was on the stage. Uh, Marty Markowitz was the uh, Brooklyn Borough president. It was right on Empire Boulevard, huge crowd, and there was a strong gust of wind, and unfortunately the stanchion, the light stanchion came down off the stage and killed him on that stage, the great Curtis Mayfield. That almost like, boom. So now my, my head is like all over the place. I had finally stabilized, Matt. Did you do this on purpose? Did Frank Morano set up this, uh, this uh, trap? Anyway, our number is uh, 1-800-848-WABC. Where was the video when we needed it? The documentary evidence. You know, like they, they said to Rudy, they said, we need to see the video. It's the former mayor of the city of New York, America's mayor. And they say, Rudy, we're not going to arrest the guy. We need to see the video. Like, really? Man, I'm like woozy now. 
back to the show. I will get into autopilot mode as I've been from time to time. Let's go to Dean in Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dean. Curtis, you know I love you, bro. I hope that guy that gave you a hard time, the heckler that heckled you, calls again so you can give him the business. Because if it was Frank, your boy Frank would never entertain the guy the way you did. He would have hung up on him. But you, you know, you went back and forth with him. What what uh, city was he from? Oh, I know who you mean. Hold on. Slowly I turn, step by step. I'm yeah, trying to connect everything. I'm in a little bit of a fog here, Dean. I got a mild concussion, and it's just... Take a couple Tylenols. You'll be okay. Tylenol? Are you kidding? You know how many times I've been hitting the head with bats and sticks and pipes over the years? But anyway, I think I know who you mean, because even in this uh, fragile state that I'm in, I remember this guy, Dave from the Bronx. Tell me if this is him, Dean. You know, you think you're a very clever man. You sit there and you badmouth Frank Morano, who's an actually an intelligent person capable of debate. And I listen to you very rarely because every time I tune into your program, you're obsessed with Frank Morano for some reason. Can you explain that? What's, what is it in your psyche that makes you obsessed with one of your colleagues? Is that him, Dean? That's the clown of all clowns. Now, he says he rarely listens to you, but yet he had a beef with you, right? So maybe tonight, maybe tonight he's listening, and he'll call in. Yeah. If he's, if he's listening, I like to say that he sounds like a woman. He's the biggest clown I've ever heard. Well, you're right. Mm-hmm. That, that voice, I don't know. Wait a second. Come on, Dean. Let's, let's be uh, sensitive here. You may be going through a transition. You know... That reminds me, now that I'm in this woozy state, my mind is going in a million directions. I can't believe this, right? We have a situation in which the world's richest man, Elon Musk. Elon Musk has uh, many children from many different women. He uh, is a serial marrier, and he likes to populate the world, originally from South Africa. His uh, child just reached 18, just like Anthony. Except this child, at 18, declared themselves to be a transgender and identifies as a female and wanted it on the court record in family court that she wanted nothing to do with Elon Musk. She didn't want his name. She didn't want to be involved with him as her father. And I did a deep dive on that and said, gee, I wonder if she filed papers because obviously it's a bright teenager. Uh, exempting herself in the future from, uh, uh, God forbid, if he dies, like if he takes that SpaceX uh, vehicle up high in the sky that he's working on in Texas, let's say, God forbid, it explodes and he dies, uh, unfortunately, at an early age. You want to bet that his transgender daughter is going to be online to get her piece of the action of the billions of dollars, you know, from the estate of Elon Musk? Watch. But anyway, that's what she decided. But he has a few different children. I'm trying to remember the singer. Her, her name is, is a one-word name who just left him. They have about two or three kids together. They never consummated the uh, marriage, so they're not officially married. And the kids have a lot of weird names. I mean, I don't know why they do that out there. You know, uh, baby got back, uh, uh, Kardashian, she's done it. Yee, yay, ya, whatever the hell his name is. Jeezy, uh, 
What? Easy, easy, easy. And I give these kids such dopey names. Even Sarah Palin, Trigger, Track, uh, Twig. You know, crazy names. Kanye West, right? Crazy names. So this woman leaves Elon Musk, and you know who she hooked up with now? Private Manning. That's right, the Private Manning, who anatomically was a man in a foxhole outside of Baghdad and was... uh, downloading all those private documents uh, from the military and sending it uh, to WikiLeaks. And then all of a sudden, Julian Assange was like floating with all this information. So Private Manning got arrested, remember? And he went on trial and he got like 30 years. They sent him to Leavenworth. And while in Leavenworth, we, the taxpayers, paid for his uh, change of his anatomy. Went from being Private Manning to Private Chelsea Manning uh, at great expense. And then remember, Barack Obama gave him a pardon when he was president. And Chelsea Manning ran for the Senate seat in Maryland and lost. And now the mother of Elon Musk's kids is hooked up with Chelsea Manning. Does this get any more freaky-deaky? I mean, I I got, you know... my head is spinning. I got vertigo now. But that relationship really has me in vertigo. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Joseph in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Giuseppe. Uh, yeah, really quickly. <clears throat> With regard to all the crime uh, that's going on in the city right now, uh, you know, you would think that the police and the law enforcement agencies would have a lot on their plates to deal with. You know, I object to anybody who goes, <clears throat> uh, you're not getting on the airwaves. I'm introducing you to Mr. Click, you know, because I know what that is. That's an intellectual way of saying to me, Ufa to you, you're beneath me. You know, like you're some kind of professor. You know, it's like you're going to give a lecture. This guy gets on his high horse. He's going to give us a freaking lecture. He's going to drop like three or four different websites that he wants people to go to, right? He's got his agenda. But notice, he's so pretentious. He's so obstinate. He goes, like he's ready to just like get the phlegm out of his throat. Just thinking that he's talking with Curtis Lee, a high school graduate, it's like, He's got the phlegm right in his throat. No, 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 no. See, I can pick this up just through the intimation, just through the way somebody speaks. I've been doing this so many years, 33 years in talk radio, 29 of which here at WABC, four years at AM 970, The Answer. That's four years I'm never going to get back in my life. Nobody was listening to me there. I mean, nobody. I think I would rather have been a Uyghur putting a concentration camp there in uh, Western China than be on AM 970 The Answer. I did morning drive and afternoon drive. Not one person ever came up to me and said, oh, Curtis, that was a great show today. I think at times I was talking to myself, you know. I think it was like a placebo station for a while. You know, it had all the accoutrements of being a station. And I think I was talking to myself. And I've done that many times. You know, I've been in the park with the pigeons. I'm the pigeon guy giving them the progresso breadcrumbs, talking to the pigeons. The pigeons naturally don't talk back to me. I like it better that way. Unlike with my wife, who always gives me grief. If I say something to her, boom, she gives it right back. So when I retreat into Central Park and I'm sitting there on a park bench 
uh, as the pigeon man, and the pigeons are descending on me because they actually flock on my shoulders and on my arms, and I'm feeding them, and I'm talking to them. They're all going, cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. I like it that way. Let's go to Gina in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gina. Hi, Curtis. Curtis, I love your imitation of the pigeons. I love them, too. Curtis, I'm so glad I wasn't in Staten Island when they hurt Mr. Giuliani because I don't think I could have restrained myself. I really don't. My brother was beat up in the schoolyard when I was eight years old, and I really gang-banged all those guys that were trying to hurt my brother. And I think I would have had the same reaction for Mr. Giuliani for all he did for us in New York because I love him. Let me spare Gina at her age. The term she used, Uh, Gina, you can't use that term. Uh, It has a double entendre, another meaning. I know at your age, Gina, you probably didn't know what you just said, but I want to spare you any more shame. I'm not going to even repeat it. My mother, blessed Francesca, Francesca in heaven, I'm, I'm doing a few Hail Marys right now for Gina. She knows not what she says. She, she needs to go to the convent. Girls like this, right, they say, you know, with a mouth like yours, you need really, the nuns will straighten you out. You, you need to be sent to the convent. Did you hear what Gina said? Oh, my God. I don't even think she realized what she said. I, I, I realized what you noticed. I, I, I threw a lifeline. You, you see, you would have exploited that, Matt. You would have let Gina talk herself into a miserable. She probably has grandchildren, great-grandchildren. They would have been listening. They would have said, oh, what did Grandma just say? What? what? Where, where, where are the men out there, right? Men must protect the women, right? That's an old school value. Yeah, you, Matt, you're like, hey. you probably see something in the street. Right away, you pull out your smartphone, iPhone. Let me film it. I'll be live at five. Oh, somebody's getting the living daylights kicked out of them. No, no, no. I'm going to film it. I'm going to be infamous. I'm going to put it online. It's going to go viral. How about getting in there and straightening out that thug? America has become a land of cowards. Men, look at what happened down in Texas, right? They're still coming up with all kinds of excuses. We didn't have the key. Uh, we didn't get the green light. Uh, it was a yellow light. Uh, we were standing outside. Oh, my God. What, what, what has become of the men in our society? Every Oh, let's film it. No, no, jump in. Help the person. Distract them. No, no, I got to film it first. It could go live at 5. Speaking of live at 5, there's the mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams, hmm, blinded by the lights. So we're in a crime crisis. If, If I just use the rest of the time now until 12 noon, excuse me, 12 midnight, when Dominic Carter comes in and he, uh, He performs as the barrier. My ability prevents me from being able to cross-examine Frank Morano, who comes on at 1 and begins the other side of midnight uh, all over again, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. I I could do the crime blotter or all the rest of this. The crime is unbelievable. Let me just select pieces of crime because there's so much as to why you would hope that the victims... 
might be able to have a legal handgun, a gun to protect themselves. A young lady was on the platform at Parkchester, number six train, that's elevated. 12 noon, not 12 midnight, 12 noon. A guy comes up to her with a with a, a straight-edge razor. I don't know if any of you have ever battled anybody with a straight-edge razor. I have. I remember in Rikers uh, when they would house me there. Yeah, yeah, I was the only guy ever running for office who's actually been housed on Rikers Island. And they were, oh, 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 I walked in there for five seconds. I had an X-Lax attack. And they used to, the inmates used to take the single-edge razor, put tape around it, and then put it like like a, a, a little pack of tobacco between the cheek and their gum. Now, if you hit them, they, they'd end up getting all bloody. See, you, you could actually see I had chipmunk cheeks at that point. These are all street-smart tactics you learn as part of your survival. So they would keep a straight-edge razor right in between the cheek and the gum. They'd pull it out, and they'd slash. So this guy is slashing this young woman. I mean, slicing her up the way they do at a deli. Boar's head baloney. She could not defend herself. None of the men would come to her assistance. Now, assuming that she was able to get a permit to carry a concealed handgun, who amongst us would say it would not be okay for her to pull that gun out and tell that guy, make my day, boom, and do a Bronson on him? That's number one. On the number three train. There were two gun-toting thugs pistol-whipping their victims, young men. 125th Street, they got off the train. They dragged him off. They put him on his hands and knees. They beat him. They humiliated him. They stripped him like uh, a carcass in the Mojave Desert. Then they got back on the three train, went downtown, 42nd Street, Times Square. Broad daylight. We're not talking at 3 o'clock in the morning. They get another victim. They beat the living daylights out of him. They're pistol-whipping him. They rob him. They humiliate him, and they push him into the tracks. Any one of these guys, imagine they had a a permit to be able to carry a concealed handgun, and they decided to shoot these guys to protect their life. Who amongst us in any kind of an assembled jury? Because you know Alvin Bragg. <laughs> Turn him loose, Alvin Bragg would prosecute somebody defending themselves. You know that. You know the Clark, the DA, hopelessly incapable of locking up criminals in the Bronx would have prosecuted that young woman at Parchester on the number six train for defending herself with a gun. But all oh, the craziness that has come down the pipe ever since the, con- the conservative majority in the United States Supreme Court determined that the Sullivan Law was no longer constitutional, which restricted people's ability to carry legal handguns. And who weighed in right away? The swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams. Listen to what he had to say. We cannot allow New York to become the wild, wild west. That is unacceptable. So the mayor says he doesn't want this to become the wild, wild west. It's already the wild, wild west. Then earlier today on Katsimatidi's show, Sunday mornings, he has all the news uh, makers. And, in fact, they generally make the news. It's already in the Post. It's already in a number of periodicals. He had John Miller, long-term spokesperson for the NYPD, talking about why the police department is opposed to uh, citizens having a uh, legal permit 
to carry a concealed weapon in New York City? Oh, well, no, no. That's the wild, wild west. Um, the worry here is that they're going to make this the wild, wild east. So what is it? Is it the wild, wild east or the wild, wild west? And why is it that police are not trying to help legally law-abiding men and women protect themselves if they're not permitted to be there? Because remember, they took out a billion dollars out of the police budget. They defunded the police. They've defunded the prisons. So if they're going to make it harder for the cops to do their job and leave us, the citizens, on our own, if we jump through the hoops and we qualify, how dare you, John Miller, how dare you, Eric Adams, our mayor, claim that this will be the biggest problem that you face? No, the problem that you face right now are thugs and thuggets who carry guns and use it indiscriminately and get away with it on a regular basis. And, by the way, in Brooklyn... Let's say, Matt, you were in Brooklyn first time. You had a loaded 9 millimeter. You know, they caught you right on Broadway underneath the J train. Okay, gotcha. Matt, you, you didn't resist. You gave it up. And they said, wow, you had, you had an extra clip, too. 90th Precinct, they prosecute, prosecute you. You go to 100 Skimmers Horn Street. And Eric Gonzalez, the DA, says, no, turn them loose. Uh, we want a diversion program for Matt. Matt, once a week. You're going to come uh, into 100 Skimmerhorn Street. We're going to give you pizza and Coca-Cola. We're going to give you a counselor to tell you that you did a very bad thing. And you're going to you're going to promise you're going to cross your heart and hope to die that you won't do it again. Loaded nine millimeter with extra clips. You get busted. 90th Precinct, Williamsburg. You don't go to jail. You go to a diversion program. Oh, want to bet that if you had a a permit for a premise license, which meant you could only keep the weapon in your place of business or your home. Want to bet that if you were caught carrying that same legal weapon in the streets, that that same Eric Gonzalez, you would say, oh, are you going to give this guy the diversion program? Hell no. We're going to throw the book at him. We don't want vigilantism going on in our city. Is this crazy or what? Is this crazy or what? Let's go to David in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, David. Just look at Twisted Justice at CNN.com. You're up. Well, that guy's got a thing for Judge Janine Pirro. She's on Sunday's voice. She's good. Right after my Kumbada Chief, Rudy Giuliani, 11 or 12. He's obsessed with her. I, I bet you go to this guy's house, right? It's like he's got pictures of Janine Pirro on the ceilings of his uh, apartment, you know, on the walls. But he's the kind of guy, like in school, was afraid to go up to the girl at her locker, you know, like likes to do these things. But he never, never, he never calls her, would never go up to her. But vicariously, he'll call this show and other shows and say this and hope to get her attention. Thank God he's not a John Hinckley, right? Thank God he's not trying to get the attention of Jody Foster. We saw what he did. This guy's walking around free. He tried to kill Ronald Reagan, the president. He impaired Brady, the press secretary. He shot an FBI guy. He shot a Washington police officer. This guy is walking around footloose and fancy free. No supervision. You imagine criminals... Wow, you see this guy trying to kill Reagan? Shot him up, almost killed him. He's walking around free. What are they going to do to us? Nothing. This is really crazy. Anyway, uh, 
Let's go, if we can, to Howard, who's calling from Babylon. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Howard. Hi, Curtis. I want to talk about the feminization of men in New York City and how they're afraid to fight back. Well, well, go ahead. What's preventing you from talking? Uh, do you have constipation? Uh, what is it? What is your problem, Howard? My problem is is that men these days do rather kowtow to mothers than fight back themselves. Now, what does you mean, Mama Luke's? Mama Luke's. Well, look, Kanye West, right? Yeezy, whatever the hell his name is, was the biggest Mama Luke of all in Chi-Town, Chicago. This guy was a big Mama Luke. Frank Morano here at WABC, he's a Mama Luke. There are a lot of Mama Lukes out there, Howard. Yeah. I just think that when accosted by a, by a, by a near-do-well, you fight back and you fight hard. Oh, I like that. I like that spirit. Although I kind of get the sense that Howard would have a difficult time lifting his arms. My, I was like dragging it out of him. I, I, I thought like, hey, guy, do you need Geritol? What do you need here? A little shot of energy? You know, it's, I, I rarely recommend it. You know, Elvis, they got that new movie out about Elvis now. You know, he, he started taking Dexedrine, which were really amphetamines. But Howard, he could use a little. He, hey, no, I don't want you addicted, Howard, but you know, a little dextrotrine there. My God. Let's go to Chris, who's calling from the Catskills. Is it the Irish Alps or the Jewish Himalayas uh, there, Chris? I'm actually, I'm, I'm in the part of the Catskills where it meets the Hudson River up north. Curtis, I got a concussion treatment program for you. I've had, you and I got a lot in common. Our birthdays are a couple days apart. I've had like, probably 14 or 15 concussions in my life. We both studied martial arts and we're both into politics and we're both addicted to talk radio. Curtis, I went and saw a guy out near Pittsburgh and he, when I got treatment from him, he has pro football, hockey players, uh, college football, basketball players come to him, high school players. So you can do the stuff that he did to me and it works. I'm telling you it works because I just had an incident with my car where I drove over a sidewalk kind of area. I got a large car that sits low, and it jarred the crap out of my brain, and it gave me a mild concussion, not as bad as what you have now. And I did the treatment that this guy did on me, and it helped instantly. Yeah, so what, you what, 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 what is this, Chris? Is this like, uh, you know, yum yo, cranky kyo? I got to do yogi or something like that. I got to sit on my head. I love these people. Everybody says, oh, you got to use my doctor. My doctor is the best. My, the best. Meantime, I go up to people and I say, your doctor, could I see his uh, report card? How many people that he's taking care of are dead now or in the cemetery? I'd like to, oh, my, my doctor, the best, you know, my lawyer, the best, my accountant, the best. Is that why you just did seven years in Allenwood, the federal penitentiary in Pennsylvania for tax evasion? Well, it really wasn't his fault, you know. My accountant is a bit. You should use my accountant. You should use my doctor. Oh, what does this guy think? I'm Ubats. I already got hit in the head. This stanchion right here hit me in the head. I already had a mild concussion. My head is spinning like a top now. And I would bet you. Matt set it up. Oh, yeah, Matt. Ah, look, it's the one night that Frank Morano's crew is here, not my normal crew. 
of Broadway Bill Lee, you know, who came from WCBS-FM. That was an iconic figure there. He came out of retirement to be with me, or Avery. I'm stuck with you, Matt, and the freaking stanchion hits me right in the head. How timely was that? Let me try to get it together here. Because I'm telling you, you heard of Vertigo? Oh, yeah, let's come back with that uh, YouTube uh, Vertigo. Because I got it right now. Oh, by the way, you don't want to go anywhere. The most requested, the most called into of the many segments here that I do on the weekends when WABC, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis, the Animal Welfare Hour. Would you believe it? Frank Morano was giving advice about cats to people, and one of the callers, Alice, actually said, Frank, I've been raising cats for years. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Why don't you just call up Nancy, the expert, and have her as a guest? And he went right into the next subject. Like, like you're going to hear that when Nancy comes on. It was such a diss and dismiss. WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Reminds me, as I'm getting through my own vertigo, the other sickle fan of the Frank Morano show that you can listen to Monday through Fridays, 1 to 5 in the morning. Alex came in to fix the light stanchion, and it is hanging precariously like a Damocles sword right over my head, like an anvil. So that if I move just ever so slightly in one direction, it's going to come down on me and go kabong! Wow, the deck is stacked against me, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, I'm listening to Bono here at YouTube. Recently, they went down into the subway station in Kiev. It always be Kiev to me, you know, chicken Kiev, not Kiev. Like Frank Morano said, Kiev. But remember, they went, that's the deepest subway station, even deeper than the subway station in Moscow. I haven't been to Kiev, Kiev. But it is the deepest. I've been to Moscow. And they went down there to do a performance for the embattled people of Kiev, which was great. I offered them to come and do a free concert in the subway system of New York City. There was only one request from their manager. said, look, we understand it's a really tough situation. All we want is bulletproof body condoms. That's it. And we'll come down. And right there, Times Square, where Grand Central, the shuttle train, we'll do it. He did it for some late-night talk show host. I forget which one. They're all pretty boring. Um, 
I think for Jimmy, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Fallon, I'm pretty sure. I, nobody knew that they were YouTube, right? Because they had costumes on. It's their voices, right? Nobody. They're walking past them. Like somebody said, hey, I like your watch there. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they, there's Bono. He takes his uh, wig off and the other guys. And everyone, whoa, it's YouTube. Meantime, some guy's trying to pick their pockets. And then there's, uh, oh, yeah, Michelle Mybell, the professional booster. She got arrested again earlier today. She's out. Oh, yeah, it's like every day, Tajay, Old Navy, Dwayne Reed, CBS Walgreen. She goes to the cashier. She says, Madam, could I have an Alvin Bragg swag bag? I promise I won't shoot. I'm just here to loot. Oh, certainly, of course, because the DA of Manhattan, he will not prosecute you. Woman's been arrested over 100 times. It's, like, incredible. I, I th- You think we can... See, that would be a signal that the subway is relatively safe if Bono and YouTube would perform in the subway like they perform. There, war-torn country, right? Russian missiles crashing down. They have no problem performing there in Kiev, but I bet you they would not perform in the subway today. Look at this. There are like 12 crimes alone today in the subway. Wall Street, a guy is getting on a train, slashed. I mean, I just... Where are the transit cops? Oh, the transit cops are everywhere. We're flooding. Where? Maquan am I? I'm in the subway every day. I never see transit cops. I never see transit cops. Let's go to Louis, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Louis. Thank you so much, Curtis. A pleasure. I worship you and love everything you've done. Uh, let me ask I you. Hold, hold on a second. Hold, hold on. Hold on. You worship me? Am I like a statue in your home? Do you bow to me? Do you go? Uh, do you do chants to, to me? Not to that. Oh, okay. Right. I, I, I just want. I just want to straighten person. you out on that. Thank you, sir. I was the second youngest person in New York to obtain a pistol permit. Ooh. And you will remember Michael Codd, who I'm sure you've had dealings with. Yes. And after he, after I litigated against him, I obtained a pistol permit. And he, after he left his job as police commissioner, started working for a firm that was accepting money to get people pistol permits. Uh, Now we're talking, uh, 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 now let me differentiate that because I would never let the cops handle this. They are ripe for bribery. There has been a history. You have no idea what went on, and you are right on point. The point I'm making right now is what you've been talking about, what's going on now, I guarantee you that what the state is going to do as this goes on, is they're going to declare areas of New York, Manhattan, Long Island, uh, sensitive areas where no one could obtain a carry permit, no matter what their their uh, background is. And the thing is, if you have no problem with a background and you could pass all muster, you should have that carry permit. But the state's going to be sneaky and you are right on point with what you've been saying, and you're absolutely correct. Lewis, people do not understand the extent of corruption that has existed at one police plaza for those mm-hmm. who desperately tried to jump through the hoops and get a legal permit to carry because their lives are being threatened. But if you're rich, you're wealthy, you're well-heeled, 
You send and the you police, have no problem. right? You send the police officers to Vegas with hookers. You put money in their yeah, pocket, buy them Rolexes. You get Broadway show tickets. Yeah, Hamilton yeah. tickets, right? They'll give you Hamilton tickets to get a, a license for a gun permit. And that's why you are the voice that really needs to be out there. Because I guarantee you, she is going to try to play this game and 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 do what she can to make sure of course with the mayor to, it's not the wild west it's ridiculous oh now you that you mentioned record, right right lewis lewis hold, hold on lewis I, it's, I, it, I apologize cuz with this <clears throat> this mild concussion there may be a full blown concussion now because I've been hitting the head with a light stanchion here right on the spot i mean it hit my my g my G, uh, my, my, my G center. What? No, that's that's sexual. I can't say that. See, I'm having a difficult time here. But let's go to Crime Wave Governor Kathy Holcomb because she's full of nonsense. As she now has decided, she's going to take everybody's uh, gun, bring it to a foundry, and end up melting it down. I'm sorry, this dark day has come. They were supposed to go back to what was in place. Since 1788, when the Constitution of the United States of America was ratified. And I would like to point out to the Supreme Court justices that the only weapons at the time were muskets. I'm prepared to go back to muskets. I don't think they envision the high-capacity assault weapon magazines intended for battlefields as being covered from it. But I guess we're just going to have to disagree. What the hell is she talking about, right? Now, that's 2022 now. But if you know Kathy Holcomb like I know Kathy Holcomb, Let me take you back eight years to 2014 on the time machine. She's running for a congressional seat in Erie County, western New York, which encompasses Buffalo. She's a Democrat. The sitting congressman is a guy named Collins. He's the Republican. Now you figure, nine times out of ten, the Republican gets the NRA endorsement. You know, Wayne LaPierre was originally from Schenectady, by the way. You would figure Wayne LaPierre would embrace the Republican Collins, who is pro-gun. Oh, no. Oh, no. Crime wave Kathy Holcomb back then was Kathy Annie Oakley Holcomb. She was a gun toter. She had rifles. She had an AR-15. She said to the NRA in order to get their money and endorsement, I'll tell you what, if I get to the House of Representatives, I will vote so that the residents of Washington, D.C. can qualify to get a concealed carry permit because it's a federal city. The House would have to determine that. She said, oh, yeah, they should. if they qualify, they should all carry guns in D.C. Now, she doesn't even want people to have a pea shooter. And then there's Gillibrand, right, the junior senator. you got to tell this story because it is so mind-boggling. She was Annie Oakley, too. She was the congresswoman from outside of Albany. I mean, she had guns under her Serta Perfect uh, sleeper. I mean, she was out at the gun range. She was posting pictures. Everybody out there was saying, she's our gun-toting congressman. And then all of a sudden, Chuck Schumer came to her and said, how would you like to replace Hillary Rodham Clinton as senator? You know, Barack Obama wants to keep all of his enemies close, like the godfather. And so he's going to offer her to become the secretary of state which he accepted. So now there was a vacancy. So the powers that be were billionaire Bloomberg, 
Barack Obama, the president, the Kennedys. They wanted Caroline Kennedy, who quite frankly couldn't chew gum and think at the same time then and now. I mean, inept. But the problem with Gillibrand, as Schumer told her, is you got one big problem. You're pro-NRA. You're a gun-toter. People say you're, you're Annie Oakley. You, you got you to gotta have a deathbed conversion. You got to be like pro-gun control now, and you only have like 24 hours. Do you know this woman within 24 hours took all of her guns to the foundry, melted them down, turned them into a statue so she could prove, you see, I hate guns. I despise guns. I want to take everybody's gun. And people were saying, well, wait a second. You were just at the gun range. You were like shooting off your AK-47. Oh, that was then. That's not now. Never trust politicians. By the way, that light stanchion hit my computer and knocked it out. Uh, Matt, did you notice that? I have no idea who's calling you. You, you think you could get Alex in here uh, to schlep in? And... Oh, gosh. Let me see here. <clears throat> Let's go to Wes, who's calling from Hackensack, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Hey, Alex! What up, Curtis? Hold on a second. What up? Alex, make yourself useful. Go ahead, Wes. I got, I got these I got these uh, Frank Morano sickle fans here uh, driving my life nuts. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry, Wes. I'm sorry. Curtis, um, I was listening, and I heard Gina. And uh, I wonder if you could um, do a match.com between me and Gina. Uh, what do you think about that? Wes. She could be your grandmother, Wes. How old is she? Oh my God! What do you, you want a perv on an old lady? She didn't sound that old to me. You must really be desperate, pal. I am. I am. It's been a long time. Hmm. You've been in jail, huh? <laughs> Divorce. <laughs> I cold busted you, Wes. Come on, come on. This is Curtis, street no, smart. No, come you on. Get, you get listen. You get plenty of that in jail. So no, I haven't been in jail. Oh, okay. Jail All would right. be easy. Uh, oh, see, oh, that would see. be easy. That's yeah. right. You would have the she males, the male she's. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, That's let me right. put you on with uh, Carmen Cedar here. Carmen Cedar. Uh, is yeah. Oh, you could hit up on Carmen Cedar, right? That's your name, Carmen Cedar, right? Right. That's your Carmen. Name. What's up, oh, yeah, he, he's he's interested. Wes, he's desperate. Come on, uh, Camellia's a, a virgin. Please, let me hear. Let, let me hear it. Let me hear it. What's up? Wow, man, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. You know it's rough out there, Curtis. Man, those dating apps just not working for me. Hmm. I need me an old-fashioned woman who likes a good, you know what. So I tell you what, I'm going to try to convince our owners and operators, uh, John and Margot Katsimatidis of our parent company, Red Apple, to create a dating app for desperate guys like you, Wes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Curtis, yeah. I, got, I got money in the bank. I well, got vacation money. You're like halfway I got there. Money. You're like halfway there, pal. Yeah, man, I got BMW money, baby. BMW, Ben's money, BMW. Hey, you're like halfway. You, are you sure you haven't brushed your teeth? Maybe it's your breath. Yeah, I think it's my tummy. Hmm. Oh, big, big guy, huh? Yeah, a little bit. All five right. Seven, five, seven, two, forty. Yeah, boy, that's, 
Yeah, that's kind of big, man. You got to slim down a little, Wes. I'm sure. You know what? A good lady, good diet. You never know. That's what I'm looking for. All right, so, so Gina. No, no, Gina. Let me tell you, Gina could be your grandmother, Wes. Okay. Uh, now, unless you wait, unless you're like, where does she live exactly? Right, but hold on a second. What do you think? I'm her GPS. Uh, now you may have a Macron gene in you. You know, the president of France. He's like his wife is like his grandmother. Yeah, yeah, nah, nah. Yeah, even you would say no to that, right? I mean, that's like yeah. that's weird. But you, you stay on hold there, Carmen Cita. Get his information. We got to help out, Wes. Look, he's he's being open, transparent, direct. The guy is sitting there, five seven, two forty. Probably tips the scale of more than that, but he's got bank, right? He's got bank. I mean, we're talking BMW money here. Hey, okay, he's vacation money. Hey, look, not Gina. Gina, you see, he heard her say that word. You see, that's right. I can't say that word. She didn't even know what she would say in Gina. Uh, like she, if I can paraphrase what she said to when, when she was younger and her brothers were catching a beat down in the schoolyard, you know, she would run in the schoolyard and defend her brothers, which was good. But the word she attributed to that, I don't think in her generation she understands the meaning of that. So we spared her. Because now there's, there's pervs like Wes. They heard that word. They're all excited. They're all, wow, this could be the one. You see, I, I did I did Gina a solid. Can you imagine if I let it go on and on? There'd have been like 50 guys like that. What is, what, what is that, your War of the Roses uh, over there? What at uh, WKTU, the Italian Stallions, you know? in which they set up people. It's all fake, but it's good fake. My wife introduced me to that. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, not Goomba Johnny. That's my enemy. He was hooked up to the Gambinos. I'll never forget. I went to um, the annual July 4th fireworks display at Orchard Beach. Speaking of uh, July 4th, it's coming up. A lot of activities July 4th. It's it's our nation's birthday. Birthday, right? And so I was there, and the borough president, he was just on with John Katsimatidis at night, the roundtable discussion at 5. Fernando Farrer. And Goomba Johnny was there, you know, from KTU, the Italian Stallions. He saw me there representing WABC. He died, and he went to hell without an asbestos suit. All he said, I wasn't involved. You know, they say I was a Gambino. I was just shaking down hat check girls at scores. It wasn't me, Curtis. It was them. I said, who's them? Tell me who them is. I I can't tell you that, Curtis. Yes, you can. And the guy was like shaking like a leaf. Yeah, his father used to be at a, an alderman up there in Yonkers, right? A big, big marker. Goomba Johnny, huh? You're with the Gaddis and Gambinos. That means you're against me. No, no, Curtis, I've known you a long time in radio. You know, me and you. And, you know, who was who his partner at that time? That should be qualifying you for a Curtis Sliwa booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell. If you happen to know, the Hispanic, the young guy who is a Curtis Lewa fan, who actually saw me when I was running for my life from the Transfiguration Church as the Dukes and the Unknown Bikers were trying to kill me as I had to make it to Marcy Avenue on the J train. This little guy was looking outside of his tenement 
And he goes to me, not to me at that time, he said, I'm going to meet that guy one day if, if, if he survives. Big, big in radio. It was him and Goomba Johnny. Let's see if anybody gets the booby prize. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's quickly go if we can. Uh, from Bob in Jersey, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bob. Hey, Curtis, two things. I wanted to thank you for going to my back, but I've been waiting since May 7th for my hat when I got the uh, trivia question for uh, Kurt Schilling. Remember you were helping me trying to get the uh, copy of the CD from the Swan Silvertones? Yes, that was my not... song. That my song. Uh, yeah, Frank, I know. Frank Morano purloined that from me. That was my theme song overnight back years ago when I did it for WABC. And remember how difficult it was for me to do that because I hate, I loathe Kurt Schilling. Not because of his politics, but because, yeah. remember, as a Red Sox, he had the stigmata, you know, the, the bleeding sock. He beat my beloved Yankees. They went on to win the World Series, uh, the uh, Boston Red Sox against the St. Louis Cardinals. I still didn't get my hat, Curtis. What's going on? Ooh. Wait a second. Because I called up two weeks ago, and I spoke to the other guy. He took my information down. He says he'll he'll figure it out and get back to me. He never did. All right. Because you remember that? that I know, God, I know you're busy talking. No, no, no. Pachienz, as my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, would say, <laughs> one step at a time. We finally uh, got yeah. you the burned CD of the Swan Silvertones. Uh, that's not available any longer. That that's uh, that's a keeper. But you know what, Carmen Cedar here, please. You've never given your information to Carmen Cedar. She's very good because yeah. she's from Canarsie. I I can tell you because I'm from Curtis, Canarsie. Are they, they going to send me to burn CD too? Hmm. Yeah. Well, if you're waiting for Frank Morano and his crew, uh, Matt and Alex and the rest of the riffraff, you'll be waiting forever. By the way, if you want to be hearing The Other Side of Midnight, that's right. Frank comes in 1 to 5. It begins his 20 hours of nonstop talk. And, boy, it's nonstop. And you're going to hear tonight when I'm talking to my lovely wife, Nancy Upnet, Animal Rescue Bar number one, right, number one, how Frank is trying to uh, pimp our ride, talking about animal welfare issues, and a caller, Alice, straightens him out. And how he blows right past her when Alice actually says to him, what do you know about cats? The expert about cats at WABC is Nancy. Why don't you have her on as your guest, as the expert? And he goes right to the next caller. I think he's jealous. He knows we have a sponsor. We have an advertiser now for the annual welfare hour. He's, uh, He's feeling the heat. You know, he's the ratings leader here at WABC, but we're breathing down his neck. That's right, Matt, Alex. You thought you could hit me with that light stanchion. It would slow me down. Remember, I take a licking and I come back ticking. Let's go to uh, Maria in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Maria. Curtis, you make me laugh. but You really, I turn the TV off when I know you're on because I, I just love listening to your stories and how you you uh, you give it to Frank. Good for you, Curtis. <laughs> By the way, Maria, you that is uh, such a compliment for someone in radio. Radio used to be king when there was no such thing as TV. Everybody would listen to the radio. It was like part of your normal day's activity. And then they got distracted with TV. Thank God I've been able to bring you back to the 
the medium that is the most intimate form of broadcasting, talk radio. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Is it Herson Barrego or Paco that helped you? Which one of those two? Well, Herson Barrero was my uh, partner on um, New York One for 13 years. Paco, as you know, was at KTU, and he was also in Saturday Night uh, Fever. A great, great performance. Yes. Who loves you sure his last name was Barreto? I thought it was Borrego. Well, you can call him whatever you want. He used to be a, a writer and in, in also in on, uh, La Prensa, right? Yeah, he was the he editor. He used to have a Spanish. Yeah, yeah he was yeah, the I editor remember. and writer of uh, uh, of um, El Diario La Prensa when it was run by communists. It turned out, I don't know oh, if you remember. Yes. Remember yes. they busted all of them? They were all card-carrying communists, spies in the KGB. Yeah, those were scary times. I remember we used to go to Queens. I remember I went to see you one time when they tried to open up a topless bar in Northern Boulevard back in those days. And I think they were going to name it Bear something. And somehow you ended up not showing up. But those times in Queens, I remember, we used to go to the uh, Cheap Chat restaurant, remember? Oh, yeah. Those were scary times. Yep. Scary times, Curtis. Yeah, Corona, Elmhurst, that whole area there was hot. You had the Colombians there with their bazooka. Remember, that was the drug of choice, bazooka. It had people so, so addicted out of their minds. And people didn't know what bazooka was. It was at the time of crack cocaine. But the Colombians came in strong. And what they did with their enemies, and Matt, you're going to like this because I may actually emulate what they uh, they did to their enemies. They would give you a Colombian necktie. You know what a Colombian necktie is? That means they take your tongue, they carve out your Adam's apple, and they pull your tongue right through where your Adam's apple is. And it looks like you got a tie there. Colombian necktie. Hey, I said, you want to fit me for my tie? Hey, Pablo, you want to fit me for my, you think you're bad enough to give me a Colombian necktie? And they said in Spanish, I didn't quite understand the words they were calling me, but I think it had to do with uh, being a homosexual. You know, it's like, I don't want to repeat that over the years. But I say, hey, go ahead. Hey, Pablo, you want to give me a Colombian necktie? Where's your switchblade? Because I know you got one. Go ahead. Go for yours. Maricón, puñeta, chocha puñeta. Hey, you didn't think I knew. They say, you know, gringo, gringo, right? Hey, I know the dirty words in Yiddish and Spanish, the whole nine yards. Imagine that. They had no idea that I knew what they were talking about because who else? The gringo. It had to be me. So watch it, Matt. I believe James Brown, Godfather of Soul, Soul Brother Number One, King of the Big One, Two, Five, when he sang that song, Revenge, you clipped me good with that light stanchion. You turned a mild concussion now into a full-blown concussion. I know I've had enough of them, man. I know what it is. And uh, your bud there, Alex, added insult to injury. But, you know, the Gottis tried to get me. The Gambinos tried to get me. The Moranos are not going to get me. Up next, the Animal Welfare Hour. It is the most called into the most uh, requested of the many hours that I do at WABC. It's going to be Curtis and Nancy's Noah's Ark. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. 
In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. As I try to keep it together for this final hour before the barrier... The buffer comes, Dominic Carter, to prevent me from talking directly to Frank Morano, who follows at one. Welcome aboard Noah's Ark, Nancy. Nice to be here again, Curtis. How do you like these gabons here? It's bad enough I had the mild concussion, the light stanchion, they pull the plug, it cracks me right in the head, Nancy. Uh, I know. We have to put a bubble wrap around you, I think. No, nah, you know what I think I'm going to have to do is wear a football helmet. No, seriously, all the times, uh, you know, it's, it hasn't been too bad lately, but you've seen me when these uh, mild concussions come and sometimes the full-blown concussions. I think I, I should just wear a football helmet. Um, I guess, well, how how's the beret work out with that then? That'll be a little tough. Maybe just a red football <laughs> helmet. We'll figure something out. But right, we'll figure it out, yeah. Just so you're not going to yell at me because every time I come back and I have uh, a part uh, – a mild concussion that becomes a full-blown concussion. You look at me as if I did something. They did it to me, Nancy. They did it. Matt did it. Alex did it. Yeah, I know. Well, again, still, we have to keep an eye out for you, Curtis. Well, you do a great job. In fact, you've kept me alive. Without you, poof, nothing would be possible. But anyway, let's uh, focus on your specialty. And guess what? Later on in this hour, you're going to hear a caller named Alice actually suggest to Frank Morano that instead of him pontificating about issues involving cats, he should just leave it to the expert, you, and he blows her off. Oh, that does not sound right. Well, 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 we'll let her describe that. It's coming up. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. And, and just uh, I want to clean that one issue up. I left uh, Goomba Johnny hanging there from KTU. He's no longer with him. Came out of Yonkers. He became a Gambino. He went to jail with Gotti Jr. and the others uh, as part of the attempt to kill me, although he says I had nothing to do with it. I was just shaking down hat check girls at Scores, the strip club. Well, the guy who uh, his partner was was Speedy at KTO. They were a very popular team. And Speedy tells this story. When he was a young boy, he was uh, at his tenement. He was looking down from the fourth floor near uh, Havemeyer which is uh, at that time Southside, very dangerous area. He saw me running by in my red beret for my life as the the unknown bikers were chasing me, and I had to get up to Marcy Avenue and get back to the Bronx so they would have killed me. 
And he said to himself, one day I'm going to meet that guy if he survives. And Speedy was the first person to endorse me when I ran for mayor. Very popular in the Hispanic community. So I I just had to relate that because I'm sure people were saying, he never told us uh, who the booby prize question was. But anyway, let's get to the issues of the day in animal welfare. Question number one. Nancy, I saw this story. It went viral all over the world. There were people that were bringing a raccoon to the pet store, correct? Yeah, this was in upstate New York. And uh, apparently this couple, they have as a pet a raccoon. So they went into a pet store and they had the raccoon in, I guess, like the equivalent of a cat carrier. And the, uh, you know, one of the people who is an employee at the store alerted the authorities about this happening and ultimately they tracked down this couple and they actually uh, took from them the raccoon you know they gave them like a fine but i mean again the story is really interesting right so the issue is initially that they had a raccoon right now so technically it's unlawful to have as a pet a raccoon so but again what they did was they were you know the, the big fear with them is that Supposedly, they're huge carriers of rabies. So that's why when, you know, anytime there's like a a raccoon, maybe that's in close proximity to people or if there's a a bite situation, the presumption is always, oh, it's rabies. So, uh, you know, they right away have to test for rabies. So now what they didn't say in this story is that, uh, you know, they said, oh, you know, the, the, the animal was tested. It didn't have rabies, but that meant they had to euthanize, you know, just to test for rabies. So this is like this over-excessive focus on uh, rabies, and the CDC itself says that only one human has ever died from a raccoon strain of rabies. So again, there's like super fear that constantly goes on that every time someone sees a raccoon or, you know, they're like within our environment that, oh, they're rabid because they're around us. It's like, no, so they constantly are sort of living under that. But I thought the funniest part of this story is that they didn't initially know who this person was, but the police were so effective at tracking these people down. They used surveillance footage from the store. They um, got information about this person's card they used at the store. They tracked their license plate. Like It was the most intense police work ever to track down this person who has a pet raccoon. And this, was, was, uh, this was upstate New York. Upstate New York, correct. Now, explain it. So they actually, they walked into a pet store with a raccoon with a, uh, uh, on a chain? Well, no. So it's like a, let's say like a cat carrier, right? So, you know, it's like a little um, portable cage. So they're holding uh, the raccoon within like a carrier and, you know, getting food that would, I guess, fit the bill uh, for the, the either that, either the raccoon or maybe for another pet they had. But a store employee noticed, oh, look, they have a carrier that has a raccoon. So, you know, they didn't go up to the people. They just called the authorities. And then there was an investigation done. So they were able to track down from uh, going through, you know, video footage in the store. And uh, the time, like they swiped their card. So they had like a store card so they could figure out the name. And they had the license plate when they were driving out of the parking lot. Like it was a really intense amount of investigatory work to determine who these people were just so they could take the raccoon from them.
Now, when we've driven around in Brooklyn where you have your cat colony, Sunset Park and Williamsburg and Greenpoint, northern Brooklyn, we've come across at times cat colonies in which the cats exist side by side with raccoons and possums. I could never quite figure that out. It's almost as if do they see the raccoon or the possum as if they're another cat? I mean, I, I, at this point, I'm, I'm fairly sure they would recognize uh, distinction, but I don't think that there uh, there's any need for certain of these species to be uh, predatory toward one another. I don't really think that's their, you know, their nature. Or if they do have uh, some animal that they would, you know, attack, it wouldn't be an animal of equal size. So I think they're sort of like equal level uh, predators ultimately. And they can exist side by side, and they do in the city. I mean, I've seen that a lot, too. They'll eat from the same uh, bowls and dishes. And, I mean, they just happen to be in the same condensed environment. I mean, I think by default they have to get along at some point. It was amazing to me. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's the Animal Welfare Division uh, of uh, our program uh, segments here on WABC. The most called into, the most requested the most participatory of all the hours that I do on WABC with my wife, Nancy. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. I remember uh, when growing up in Canarsie, I had already been kicked out of high school, was working uh, at Rocky's uh, gas station, and there was an incident that occurred. I won't go into great detail, but uh, my cousin, Lenny Beans Bianchino, said, I think it would be very wise if you would follow Butchie and some of his friends, get on your 10-speed uh, races and go up to Bear Mountain and hang out there for about a week, you know, just till things cool off. I say, hey, Lenny, okay, no problem. I got on my 10-speed Raleigh bicycle. They got on their Cannondales. We went up to uh, Bear Mountain, and we were camping. And uh, as you know, I'm not a 4-H guy. I'm not a camper guy. You've invited me to go camping. You, uh, you've camped all over America I said, forget about it. But this was my nightmare. We were up in Bear Mountain, and we go in the tent because it was a threat of rain. And then all of a sudden, I have the backpack, and I wake up in the morning, and all the food is gone. And I wake up, and I see a raccoon that's stolen all of my food. The freaking raccoon stole my food. Why should I not hate raccoons, Nancy? I I don't quite see that connection there, but that's why it's suggested when you go camping, you're supposed to uh, tie up your food so that the smell isn't getting out. I mean, basically, what you're doing is you're you're telling the entire forest that you have a buffet and it's for everybody. So you really only have yourself to blame in that situation. Oh, so I'm to blame that the raccoon stole my food. Yes, correct. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I noticed you uh, sent an interesting study that compares animals, human beings, and the aging process. Uh, you went to Stony Brook. You went to Brooklyn Law. I did not get out of high school. I could not understand this study. Could you break it down for our audience? Okay, so this is uh, this is actually a really cool study, and I mean, you know, we've had obviously uh, over the course of all these like um, you know weeks that I come on, there's a lot of animal research I think that is uh, pointless and duplicative, but there are certainly a lot of really great, interesting things going on, and 
this particular study is uh, just studying animals in the wild, monitoring them that way. But there's a certain uh, degree of species of animals that appear to have uh, their aging stops at some point. So this is what's being studied that they have, uh, you know, so basically leaving for longer lifespans, ultimately, obviously, for humans, that's really the goal. So what this means is that, so that they sort of put an example forward, like an adult person, their risk of dying in a year is one in 2,500 at age 10, and then one in 24 at age 80. So, you know, basically, as people get older, it increases. Now, all of these animals they're studying, they have negligible aging, which means that their percentage of dying is like 1% for the, the entirety of their life. Like they actually don't age, these animals. So they're, they're studying. Like, now think about it. Now that's the type of study you really want to get behind because that is so incredible to think that there's animals that actually stop aging at some point. Now apply it to the human being situation. What is it? that the animals are doing to to um, combat the aging process. Like, for instance, many of our listeners, they might go to Gurney's, not far from where you grew up in Bohemia and Suffolk County, but they were way out to Gurney's in order to uh, take mud baths, do all kinds of holistic stuff to stop the aging uh, aging process. What is it that the animals do? Well, I, I mean, so again, so uh, the particular species that they're focusing on uh, tend to be um, uh, sort of a sort of a cold sort of uh, internal animal. So uh, amphibians, uh, frogs, turtles, um, you know, so they're basically focusing on a certain form of animals. They're saying that maybe their metabolism is slower. So it's like a lot of uh, cold types of internal animals. But. You know, um, what I think also with people, too, is there's a lot of things that I think, um, you know, I mean, I I do a lot of uh, studying about just nutrition overall, but I think a lot of stuff really comes down to forms of malnutrition. I mean, if you don't have the appropriate, I mean, you're supposed to get certain uh, vitamins, nutrients, minerals every single day. I mean, if you don't get them every day, okay, so it's a small sort of effect that happens all the time. But ultimately, the body breaks down by virtue of not getting that stuff. So I think that if, you know, everyone had a complete diet, you know, you could actually take that out of the equation and see maybe people would stop aging if they were, you know, you know, in a sort of perfect nutrition state. I think that should be the goal. All right. Well, this perfect to bring up uh, Frank Morano, who we're going to hit on in a little bit because of his caller, Alice, who suggested that he have you uh, answer uh, animal issues, cat issues, and not himself who knows nothing about nothing. But he is the youngest old person that I've ever known. You look you look at his Facebook, uh, it's like his high school graduation picture from Tottenville. He believes in the eating cheese, who fromage, our mayor, Eric Adams, who believes in uh, uh, good nutrition, says cheese is almost as bad as heroin. That I think there's a reverse thing with Frank. He looks young, but he thinks old. You know, he, he likes songs like Rudy Valley, Brother Can You Spare a Dime, Al Jolson. He thinks those are hip and happening. So it, with him, is that working on his mindset as opposed to his physical features? You mean the, the effect of the cheese? Oh, yeah, he loves fromage cheese. In fact, Rachel, his lovely wife, um, 
has actually bought the Velveeta nail polish. They actually have Velveeta nail polish, which is 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 is, is attractive to Frank. So things of that nature that. Does that encourage the aging process or, in his case, discourage it? Well, you know, it's interesting, right? So uh, certainly there's a lot to be said for your mindset. If you like something, maybe that can override. So, for instance, my grandmother, she uh, ate kibasi until she passed away at, like, 94 years old. And I mean, no one would say that eating kibasi every day was a good thing, but she believed in it, and she was, like, the healthiest person I knew, so... I mean, maybe if you if you think it's okay, then it's okay. Wow, kielbasa, pierogies. Until she was ninety four, she was all Polish, right? Yes, she was. She was. And she's over in that cemetery in Greenpoint, right? Correct. Correct. Wow, she kept close to her roots. Okay, now on to a subject which is uh, very different than what we normally talk about here at WABC. We talk about crime, urban areas. Uh, all kinds of urban issues. But there is a little town, I believe it's near Plainfield and Scotch Plains in Union, Fanwood, that is up in arms about whether to walk your dog or not walk your dog. That is the question. Explain this in its totality, please. Okay, so it's it's actually that in this, uh, you know, uh, sort of like suburban town, there's not a lot of sidewalks. So people who are walking their dogs, you know, I guess, that, you know, it's like uh, not many options in terms of something like that, but there's local parks. And apparently there's an ordinance uh, that exists in this town where you can't walk your dog in the park. So this isn't, uh, you know, you know, off leash or saying, oh, there's no dog run. It's literally telling people, even with your dog on a leash, you can't walk through the park. So uh, there was a local resident who started like a social media online, you know, just to sort of reach out to the the locals and say like, oh, what do you think of this? And, you know, apparently there was, you know, quite a number of people who did want to walk their dogs in the park. So now they have like a vote coming up before the uh, city council. I think it's in the at the end of uh, July. But they're, you know, basically voting on whether or not you can walk your dog in the park. And again, all the regulations that you would imagine exist, exist. You know, obviously clean up after the dog. I mean, nonsensical things like you can't have them, you know, in the little kids playground. Like, but I mean, this is literally a fight to allow you to walk your dog with a leash through your park in your neighborhood. Well, if they're going to win that, they got to get a lot of men out. Because, you know, a lot of men, they're widows, you know, or they're single through divorce. And they walk their dog. And for them, that's how they hook up with women. (laughs) Right? Because they meet the women who are walking their dog. And all of a sudden, they develop a friendship. Well, you know, it's funny. This even touched upon that. Like the, you know, the people being interviewed said, oh, it's a great way to meet your neighbors. But, you know, I think if you read between the lines, that's exactly what they're saying. Right. It's a great way to hook up. You ever see there's a schlubby schmendrick guy, he's at the local laundromat, you know, where he knows everybody's got to come, and he'll have a little puppy. And then all of a sudden, the young ladies, oh, he he must be very sensitive. He must, he look at the little puppy, and actually the girl or the woman will want to come over and pet the puppy, and they say, he can't be a bad guy if he has a little puppy. It's all a ruse. It's all a ruse, ladies. 
It's, it's like the, the trap. It's like the fromage, the cheese in the trap that, that Frank oftentimes refers to when speaking about his love of fromage. I can't tell you how many guys I've seen. They hang outside of the laundromat. They got the little puppy dog there, I said. I, I didn't realize the laundromat was the, the big hangout spot these days. For hipsters and millennials, yeah. You know, because they, okay. they don't have a washing machine. They don't have a dryer. So let's say there's this guy. Let's, let's be kind to him. He's schlubby. Uh, he's not appealing. But he has yeah. a little doggy, a little puppy. And yeah. Oh, the women, they get fatuts. And they figure, oh, he's probably a good guy. Look, well, I mean, if he validly does have the puppy, then chances are he probably is a good guy. So it's that's not a bad thing to announce who you are, right? Yeah, that's uh, this is advice for the guy who was calling from New Jersey before was trying to Wes was trying to hook up with Gina. Hey, Wes, get yourself a little puppy dog, and even at five foot seven, two hundred and forty pounds, hang up. Hang out outside of the laundromat in your town, and I guarantee you, you'll hook up. You won't need a dating app, and you won't need to be snacking on Gina in Brooklyn. Wow, this guy was, like, over the top. So you'll keep us uh, updated on that, how they resolve that in Fanwood, because, that you know, that's, like, the number one issue in uh, Union County. Yeah, no, I mean, and again, it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, you're talking about having the dog on a leash. So, I mean, I really don't see the issue. I think it's just something that hasn't been, you know, it's like most things. It's been on the book so long, and, and until you challenge it, it doesn't get updated, and that's why it's important to, you know, be proactive. And also, it's not Newark. It's not Patterson. You're not going to have people carrying a pit bull terrier, Rottweiler, you know, uh, a fighting dog into the park at Fanwood. It's so many of our listeners out there also, WABC listeners in Plainfield and Scotch Plains in Union County, I can't tell you, per capita, per person, maybe more so than any other area here in the Northeast sector, which brings us to the, uh, uh, I don't know what to say. It's, he's almost been like, she has been reborn, Whiskers, who is the most problematic of the the many cats that you've rescued from the shelters before they were destroyed within 72 hours before they were euthanized. Whiskers, when you brought him from the shelter, I said, this cat, she has a psychotic disorder. She is like out of her mind. And now I've seen you've rescued four kittens, four kittens that would have been destroyed in the New York City shelter system, if nobody had adopted them or no rescue group could get there in time, and more than likely they would have been destroyed. And tell me that this has calmed whisk her down, Whiskers? Yeah, and I'd like to start off by saying I find it interesting that they're my cats when they're bad. <laughs> so it's both of our cats. But, um, yeah, so Whiskers was definitely very, um, you know, sort of excitable and uh, you know, I mean, again, just a very particular personality this cat had, a little jumpy, uh, you know, certainly friendly. I mean, she's fine. It's just, you know, she's very intense, this cat. Let me put it that way. So, but then all of a sudden with these little cats that have just come in, you know, I mean, so I, I had to initially uh, do the bottle feeding. So I have to do that. And I'm socializing them. I, I always want to be like right in their face to, you know, have the human interaction. But Whiskers has 
you know, started putting them like we have all these little, you know, spaces to for the cats to sleep and sit. And there's like these little boxes. And Whiskers was like one by one bringing all the cats in there. And I just, you know, one morning I woke up and it's like all the cats were in there and like Whiskers is guarding. It's like all of a sudden she's taking possession of all these kittens, <laughs> which is like, I mean, it's great. It's so funny. It's cute. So like, she's, I love that she's, she that. she's become this surrogate mother. <laughs> like unbelievable. I mean, doing everything, like even when they're, you know, somewhere in the apartment, if one of them cries for a minute, like she'll actually run over and like check on them. Like it, she's really has taken, like, I can't believe how quickly she's taken that role. Wow, so she's wired like this. So this is really the like uh, has she, has, she hasn't been fixed yet, right? No, no, she ha- she hasn't been. Um, yeah, she hasn't been. So maybe but, maybe know. that's part of the process is that she's like in that uh, what can we call it that mood that cycle where she actually is thinking as if she's the mother cat taking care of these kittens. Yeah, I mean, and and certainly we've had, uh, you know, obviously throughout the years, like certain cats who uh, take that role. And sometimes, you know, ha- I mean, it's it has nothing to do with anything, really. It's like maybe it's just their personality. But, I mean, that could be a reason why she she's doing that. But, I mean, she certainly has completely just, you know, taken a like a, a quick relationship to all these kittens and is very, like, protective of them already, which is surprising. Now, uh, oh, must have been over a year ago, uh, our owner-operator, great talk show host in his own right, John Kachimatidis, uh said to me, hey, he sent me this article that his son, John Jr., sent to him about octopus. And the reason that John Jr. decided he would never eat octopus again, which, being uh, brought up Greek, that's like... Just part of the fair is octopus uh, because it had so many human-like qualities. Uh, And now I see that the studies have gone even further that an octopus's brain is more similar to the human brain than originally thought. Yeah, so, uh, you know, so again, right, in terms of evolution in general and, you know, what humans maybe are most closely affiliated with uh, in terms of other species, obviously we're always associated with apes. There's a lot of uh, similarities, but uh, what they're finding when they're doing some of this research with the, uh, with the octopus is the cognitive functioning of the brain, the level of similarity is just is uh, over the top. Like, so in other words, there's such similar thinking functions, uh, cognitive thinking functions, which is, I mean, really amazing, right? Because, you know, and, and again, right, you wouldn't think that we would have such similarity to something that in theory seems so different. So, that, you know, they're going through all of this, uh, you know, sort of studies, uh, why, is this, why is the similarities? But uh, one of these theories is something called convergent evolution, so in, in what it means is like two totally distinct species, they actually start to develop in the same way in response to being in the same sort of environment, which, you know, I, I was thinking about that, like how, how much that makes sense, like how humans and animals, they're starting to be in the same exact environment. And there's a tendency sometimes to think, oh, well, they're wild and, you know, they can figure it out for themselves, but in effect, like so many animals, they're really growing up 
you know, from the time they're born, they're with us. Like we're all in the same exact place. So I think it, 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 what was interesting to me about this story is you really sort of reconceptualize. It's like the same way when you see bears in, in these videos where people post where they're like in their backyard, they're swimming in their pools, they're, you know, like hanging out, lounging on their decks. It's like, I mean, they're growing up in such close proximity they're actually evolving in similar ways to, you know, in relation with us. Like, I mean, that's something to really consider. They're not really wild animals anymore. Well, I will tell you this, Nancy. You grew up in an old Polish uh, household, your father, your mother. Uh, I grew up uh, in an Italian household because of my mother. And we had scungili. Uh, that was like part of the fair, really more for people from Naples than from Bari, where uh, our family was from. But we would have scungili as part of the salad from time to time. I got to tell you, having grown up on scungili, I think it has a lot of traits similar to Frank Morano. In fact, I want to give him a nickname, Frank Scungili Morano. <laughs> You, you know what scongeli is, right? Um, no. Conk. Conk. Oh, the West Indians, the Caribbeans love that. Oh, no, no. I didn't know that. Didn't oh, know yeah. That. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what was that? What was that? You call it Lambie. Okay, Lambie. All right. I'm a little bit off there because uh, I remember having Kalaloo. And let me let me tell you. My God, you can't get off the porcelain palace. I'm telling you, Kalaloo, stay away from the Kalaloo. But anyway, now this is the caller who called up. And Frank Morano, who is on, as you know, because you see me listening to him Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5 when you're screaming at me, when are you going to go to sleep? When are you going to go to sleep? So Frank decided that he was going to outdo you, Nancy, and he appointed himself the animal welfare expert about cats. Now, you know, I never talk about UFOs, little gray aliens, Roswell, none of those things, because that's that's what Frank does. That's his turf. Well, he encroached on your turf. And this woman, Alice Caller, called him out. Listen, listen, everybody listen, including you, Nancy. Alice is in South Jersey. Hello, Alice. Yes, I just tuned in. I never listened to your program. Now, about the cats. Well, uh, how come you never listen, Alice? That's my personal reason. Okay, but, uh, you know, uh, I believe uh, Curtis Lieber's wife is involved with the animals, and perhaps she might have a suggestion for you. All right, I appreciate the advice there, Alice. Thank you. Joe is in Queens. Hello, Joe. Wow, you notice how he just went right over wow. that. So summarily dismissed her. And didn't even take her up on a suggestion, which made sense. Why be on the radio for an hour when he knows nothing about nothing about cats? That's really Rachel, his wife. I'm definitely interested in her personal reasons, though. Yeah, can I hear that one more time? I know, Matt, this <laughs> troubles you. You're a Frank sport operator. But really... The way she phrased that, yeah. and it really bothered Frank. Like, he probably is obsessing about it now. Alice is in South Jersey. Hello, Alice. Yes, I just tuned in. I never listened to your program. Now, about the cats. Well, uh, how I come you never listen, is, Alice? That's my personal reason. Okay, but, uh, you know, uh, I believe uh, Curtis Lieber's wife 
is involved with the animals, and perhaps she might have a suggestion for you. All right. I appreciate the advice there, Alice. Thank you. Joe is in Queens. Hello, Joe. He couldn't wait to get out of that uh, that call, Nancy. Yeah, that, that definitely that hit a wrong chord with him, for sure. You know what it is? He heard that we have a sponsor coming on for the hour, Animal Welfare Hour, an advertiser, and I think he's Jellos. Anyway, our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. WABC. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. And to the phones we go before the arrival of Dominic Carter, who is the barrier between me and Frank Morano. Put there, so purposefully I can't cross-examine Frank. He'll be on from 12 to 1, and then it's Frank Morano, 1 to 5, and the cycle begins all over again. And don't forget, I'm on now, Monday through Fridays, right after the Bill O'Reilly update at 12 noon to take you through your lunch hour. I'm on from 12, 15 to 1, so spread the word. Yeah, you get a little bit of courage during the week, too. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joe, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Giuseppe. Is that you? <laughs> In the flesh. Yeah, remember, I remember when you were uh, with the Guardian Angels on the west side of Manhattan years ago with the whole outfits. I remember that. Yes, still am, still am. But uh, I, what, what, what did you want to talk about in terms of animal welfare? Uh, well, uh, every night I've been feeding the cats, and in the afternoons, but at night, the uh, raccoons come around. Uh, the mother just came around with, with a young one, a baby. And uh, they'll eat a little. Then they'll, they'll scatter away. And then another hour, they'll come back, maybe eat some more. And uh, they don't bother the kittens. And sometimes I, by the a glass uh, door, by the porch, the raccoon will come right up to me. Won't, uh, usually uh, they attack people like in Jersey and stuff but. It, this femur doesn't bother me. I should raccoon and I talk nice, and, and then it, I'm feeding it. And uh, the, uh, the the cats, the, what it is, they'll eat, and then uh, one will sit back there. They let the other ones eat, you know. They, and then uh, also there's a possum running around. It's a, a white one, but they, that sneaks around. It usually feeds when none, none of the other animals are around. But these animals, like, uh, you know, they, they don't bother each other, let's put it that way, you know. So I just fed them, and then I'm going out now to put some more food. I give them some dry food and wet food because uh, uh, the mother will probably come around and eat. And uh, and sometimes uh, the bowl is still full the next day, but I've been feeding them a lot. It costs a lot of money to feed these animals. But I got about a lot of cats and a b- bunch of kittens, and the, the, the kittens, uh, the raccoons don't bother the cats. So all I know the other night... When did the kittens chase it? I think they got it, too. A, a mouse was screaming. So evidently they're hunting uh, you know, whatever they can get. Usually they eat insects and stuff, but they don't bother each other. They show uh, that, 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 is, that, is, that is incredible, Nancy, what you had described, because we hear these horror stories, you know, attacking a raccoon. Uh, and yet yeah. we, you and I, we've seen raccoons side by side with feral cats and possums as, like, you would think they were all in the same colony. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, they they definitely can get along, and 
you know, I think they're so accustomed to being around each other. So as long as they're not attacking each other, I mean, I really think they just have a very symbiotic relationship at this point. Now, question, uh, he pointed up, Joe, that even the little kittens would go after the mice and then eventually the other rodents and rats. It's the best deterrence against rats and mice. How young have you seen cats react to chasing rats or mice and deterring them? I mean, they're they're absolutely predators, like no question about it. Very young. Um, you know, as soon as they can start seeing, you know, more than six feet in front of them, they have that instinct to chase. And, you know, I mean, again, it, it takes them, I would say probably not until they're at least like three months. Are they even remotely viable in terms of trying to get something? But, you know, I mean, they're just so inclined to do that. So obviously we've had cats along the way. Uh, who are some are just like very very uh, you know super aggressive in terms of hunting and you know th- they'll sit by uh, area of the wall where maybe they heard something walk by like they'll just stare at the wall for hours like some of them are just intense like that but you know when you have them and even when they're outdoors if they're fed regularly to some extent it kind of tempers that instinct because that really exists because they're trying to hunt for food. Once they have food, uh, you know, that becomes less of an issue. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, in terms of the deterrent effects, it's absolutely amazing. I remember Hercules, uh, who was the Siamese cat who had been bare, who had been badly beaten up in a street fight. It, it yeah. was near death, and you nursed uh, Hercules back when I found Hercules. But you wanted to put him out in the back in the feral colony. I said, no, 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 the, the cat is going to be killed out there. He's not going to be able to survive. But I remember we would go to sleep and cats are nocturnal. And the next thing you know, Hercules would sneak outside through the window and he would bring either a mouse or a rat back in his mouth and he would lay it down on the carpet. Why did they like just lay it down on the carpet in front of you? And then go off to the side. Okay. And and actually that was completely mortifying when that happened because I would be, I would be asleep and I would wake up because I'm here hearing like a a low growl going on. So like Hercules would bring them in and not kill them, but almost like play slash torment them. So, yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I really, yeah, that'll, that freaks me out. So what they're obviously they're trying to do, it's, they're trying to okay so some of the explanations are oh it's a gift for you they're showing the fact like for they're thankful to you know so again it's it's like a an element of being submissive and thankful in that sense like they're giving you a gift but you know some of them just you know if they don't go for the kill but they're just playing with them i'm not sure but again i didn't like that idea that you know at any night like he could go outside so that's why you know we closed up the windows so they can only see but they can't jump out because yeah, that, that's a little bit disturbing to think that at any moment they could be brought inside. Yeah, because then you jump on top of the bed and you tell me to deal with it. Yeah, because I'm not because I I don't want to, um, you know, do anything to you know, uh, you know, kill the rodent, but I want to get it outside, but I don't want to touch it. Like I, so that's why I wake you up. Well, it didn't bother me. I touch it and I carry it outside and then just turn it back loose uh, to go wherever it was going. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I can't do that. 
Anyway, let's go to Ann, who's calling from Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here in the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC, Ann. Oh, hi, Curtis. I'm a wildlife rehabilitator for 20-some-odd years, and I've dealt with uh, raccoons and skunks and possums and bears even. And I've noticed one thing among all these different species. They all get along. Like, it's shocking. (laughs) I have... I have pictures of baby fawns with raccoons um, kissing each other. Uh, oh, I, you know, I, I, it's it's like shocking. So what this tells me is there's something called ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny. In the development of the individual zygote, you can see the whole evolution of the species, and it's beautiful. Um, and, uh, for, for, oh, another thing, with, with the raccoon rabies thing, that's a big forest. Um, there has been none, I mean, no, human rabies exposure or, or getting one uh, from um, a raccoon. So, so Ann, Ann, where did this, this myth come up? Because you constantly hear people say, stay away from that raccoon, yes, you could get rabies. Yes. And then they got to put yes. needles in your stomach. I know because yes, I got bit by yes. a bat when I was a kid hanging upside down in a tree trying to be a bat. <laughs> I've had bats, too. They're pretty cool. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a fear tactic. You, you want to make people afraid, and they do. There's only three species. There's raccoons, skunks, and bats, and they're the rabies vector species. Now, you can get rabies from a bat. Uh, you can get rabies from a dog, but they're not rabies vector species. The skunks, uh, that's questionable. But from raccoons, um, it's a scare tactic. So, you know, I mean, I've done, done this for all these years, and I say you haven't lived until you've held the hand of a raccoon. Their hands are so soft and so <laughs> with their hands. They see. I had a blind raccoon. Uh, yeah. I mean, these Creatures are, in every way, I think, superior to humans. That's my, you know, prejudice, but I think so. After dealing with so many, and um, they they have different personalities, and they're like just like people. Uh, they are people. They're a Prosian Lotor. Wow, that's and, uh, that 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 in is amazing. It sort of reminds me, uh, Nancy, when I uh, had to go to Forest Park. The Glendale part, remember that Polish family that I was trying to help? They were playing those boom boxes, those Dominican guys, till like yeah. 3, 4 in the morning. And I, I went out there. I straightened them out real quick. I'm not going to explain to you how I did it. Let's just say they didn't have cars to go back home to Washington Heights. And we'll just leave it at that. But when I was there, they had a family of skunks in the park, Forest Park. And so I went over to the skunks. Don't! Don't go out of stone. They'll they, they let that stink out. You'll never get it out of your skin. You'll never get it out of your clothes. What are you talking about? It's Pepe Le Pew. It's the skunk that we grew up with in the cartoons. Now, you must have come across skunks where you grew up out in Bohemia in the middle of nowhere, Suffolk County. Well, I mean, I, I was fortunate. I didn't run into um, uh, too many of those, but... Uh, you know, for many years, I grew up down the block from Connecticut State Park. And, you know, obviously a lot of wildlife from the park would uh, seep into the, you know, front lawns, back lawns, whatever, of houses. So 
I definitely grew up with a lot of, uh, you know, wildlife and uh, insects, unfortunately, some of those. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, I, I'm definitely accustomed to that. And yeah, in, in ter- uh, I mean, uh, yeah, so I, I'm just really impressed with uh, the ants and, you know, a uh, level of knowledge with the rabies stuff because it's just so on point. I mean, it's the same thing that happens in the city shelters as well. Every single uh, cat and dog that comes into the into the shelter system or before they're adopted out, there's this protocol in New York State where every cat and dog has to get a rabies uh, vaccine shot. And there's virtually no uh, cases of transmissions from, uh, you know, of rabies from, uh, you know, the, uh, cats or dogs to people in the past, you know, decade or two. So, it, it really becomes like a very useless type of thing. It's like, why is it? Cont- and so again, this is like where these efficiency things need to be done. This is something that should have already, have already been, you know, halted, but it continues to go on. And then in terms of uh, animals like raccoons, like when you just use that tag word rabies, all of a sudden, like you're, you know, demonizing them in the eyes of the public. And that's a really bad, you know, position to take. Well, I want to put your animal skills to good work, uh, Come the latter part of the summer, I'm taking you to Forest Park there. <laughs> okay. Right off of Woodhaven, the Glendale part where all the Poles live, all the Polish people. Mm-hmm. And I want to see how you handle a family of skunks. Okay. Uh, you know, they all tell you, oh, stay away. Uh, once you, they, they put stink on you, it'll last to the ends of time. I think you can handle it, Nancy. I really all think right. you can handle a family of skunks. All right, let's do it. Anyway, uh, before we bid you adieu, I want you to hear one last time, Alice. <laughs> really give it to Frank Morano oh, when he tried to bogart you and act like <laughs> he's the animal welfare expert at WABC. Alice is in South Jersey. Hello, Alice. Yes, I just tuned in. I never listened to your program. Now, about the cats. Well, uh, how I come you never listen, is- Alice? That's my personal reason. Okay, but, uh, you know, uh, I believe uh, Curtis Lieber's wife is involved with the animals, and perhaps she might have a suggestion for you. All right, I appreciate the advice there, Alice. Thank you. Joe is in Queens. Hello, Joe. (laughs) How do you like this guy? First off, it's Rachel's cats. Frank would never have a cat. He's a dog guy. Never. He would never have a cat. And now he acts like he's an expert on cats. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're right. He's totally trying to bogart the issue. So, you know, good good, good for Alice. I think we're going to have to have a sit down with John Katzmatidis and we define our turf. Frank deals with UFOs, extraterrestrials, Mm -hmm. illegal aliens and little gray aliens. Okay, he covers all that. And you cover... Animal welfare issues. Does that make sense, Nancy? That sounds like a like a fair resolution. Yeah, well, John can then be Solomon-like and say, okay, Frank, this is your turf. Nancy, this is your turf. WABC. Oh, yeah. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. That's right, do it, Dominic. 
like Donald Trump does at his rallies, when he does the YMCA dance, like Americans do all over. It doesn't matter who they are, and they have no idea the origin of this song. Do you know the uh, the chorus on this? No. No? But all you have to do is say the YMCA. Right. I, I get what they mean. I get what they mean. Do these people who sing this song, like the grounds crew at right. Yankee Stadium, do they have an the idea? The YMCA. YMCA. Young Man's Christian Organization? I don't think so. Young Man's Copulation. Ah. Yes. YMCAA. So anyway. Get yourself, what do you say, get yourself free? Well, let, let, let's leave it where it is. There was the Indian guy, the cowboy, the construction worker. Yeah, yeah, you're into it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah right. I'm into it. Now. I'm giving you a job as the best gumshoe reporter in the business because your colleagues of the Fourth Estate have once again dropped the ball. Every year of late, a mayor is asked, what are you going to do? Are you going to march in gay pride? Because the sponsoring organization, New York Pride, decided uh, when uh, George Floyd was killed by the police in the streets of South Minneapolis in the summer of 2020, that uniformed police officers could not march in the parade. Gay, lesbian, transgender, uniformed police officers could not march in the parade. I can't believe I'm saying this. De Blasio showed consistency because when he was confronted by that, he said, if my cops don't march, and he didn't use the term my, if the police don't march, I don't march, and he didn't. This year, the same standard exists to 2025. The chutzpah, the hubris of these people. 2025, uniformed cops cannot march who are gay, lesbian, and transgenders. And Eric Adams got all had a hissy fit, but didn't say what de Blasio said, which is, hey, if they don't march in uniform, I don't march. And do you know, at about 3.30 today, he snuck into the line and he marched. None of the reporters asked him, wait a second, you do realize that your uniformed officers not only could not march, they were told that they could not be along the police uh, barriers. They had to stay in the intersection, every street. They, it's like they were defined as being not part of the parade. Can you find out? Because none of the reporters asked the mayor that. Well, you know, Curtis Lewa, that reporters today do not have the institutional knowledge or background. All they know is, frankly, I want to be a star. And that's it. With no no knowledge, no experience. And so you're right. That's something that the mayor should have definitely been well, asked about. To give you an example, San Francisco, per capita, per person, more gays, more lesbians, and they're more influential on politics there. London Breed is the mayor there. She was confronted. Same thing. San Francisco Pride. No uniform cops. She said, well, I'm not marching. So they had a compromise. If you're on duty, you wear your uniform that day. If you're off duty, you don't. And she said, okay, now I'll march. Denver had the same position. This year, they said, you have extra cops to send because we've had a crime wave. We're afraid that our gay and lesbian and transgender participants will be shot at. We'll take all the cops in uniform. 
he has to be held accountable to this and give an answer. Agreed. You're the Agreed. only person capable. Years, you stuck it to Michael Maticic, Rudy Giuliani, in the blue room at City Hall. You were a hemorrhoid to him. And by the way, you saw what happened. It was on the show I I, I do s- Sunday afternoons. I yes. interviewed Rudy after he got jumped. Uh, he took it. He got clocked from behind a sucker punch because somebody who works at the supermarket in Staten Island where he went to use the men's room was upset that Rudy, you know, supports the decision that was made by the Supreme Court to repeal Roe v. Wade. Absolutely disgusting what happened to Mayor Giuliani, a man. Uh, he went on your show this afternoon, 78 years old. He deserves better. That's one of my lead topics in uh, in just about four minutes. I, I can't believe that that happened. Listen, you may not appreciate his politics or someone else's politics. I'm not happy about the uh, Roe v. Wade decision. I'm pro-choice. Yes. But at the end of the day, you don't have a right to destroy property. You do not have the right to injure police officers. You do not have the right to injure others. And Rudy Giuliani saved the city of New York. He deserves better. But there is a difference. You know and I know when Rudy was the mayor of the city of New York in the 90s and Staten Island supported Giuliani, it supported me for mayor, and it'll support Andrew for governor on Tuesday. He'll probably win Staten Island amongst the Republicans. Nobody could have hit Rudy Giuliani and gotten away with it in Staten Island. There were men in that supermarket. You know what would have happened. This is Staten Island, Dominic. Right. Well, I I looked at the surveillance video about 20 times, uh, back and forth, over and over. And the mayor was greeting supporters, as he often does. He's still a beloved figure in this city. And this clown just literally walked, his back was exposed. This clown walks up uh, behind a 78-year-old man and basically slaps him in the back. And you see the mayor almost fall forward, literally. And then the guy just starts uh, yelling horrible things as he's walking away. An so employee, an employee, an employee of ShopRite. Who knew he could do it, and what's the difference? Get away with it. Well, we'll see. He was arrested. He was also charged, basically a charge of attacking someone that's over the age of 65. So I hope this clown sits in jail and is not out on bail. You just can't attack a former mayor of this city, especially a mayor that saved this city the way that Giuliani did. And, I mean, even if he wasn't the mayor, this is a 78-year-old man. The mayor's tough. Mayor Giuliani is a tough guy, but he's 78 years old. Well, and, and you're going to attack him like that? Dominic, to all of our listeners. Over Roby because you're not happy? Well, you'll be able to see the mayor live in person. He's going round the clock campaigning. He's not letting this deter him for his son. He's doing that again? Yes. Tomorrow, wow. uh, the final rally will be in Staten Island, where the campaign first started months ago with his son at Bricktown Center. 2750 Veterans Road at 730. I'll be there because I was with them from day one. I'll be there for the end of it, even though I have a concussion, a mild concussion. But the question is, will the Mameluke, Frank Morano from Staten Island, be there or come up with another one of his excuses?